0: this is winnipeg sports talk daily with andrew hustler patterson and michael remus
1: hey what's up everybody welcome to winnipeg sports talk daily andrew hustler patterson along with the cto michael remus and we have a packed game day show for you jets going at it with the washington capitals tonight to start a big big four game road trip for the club Uh, We'll get to the lineups. We'll get to the way things are shaping up for tonight's game. Look ahead to the rest of the road trip with Remo and Ted Wyman of the Winnipeg Sun. We'll bring the drip into WST. Uh, Talk about a number of the local stories. I mean, certainly focus on the Jets. Get Ted's take on what's happening with the Bombers. And Ted being our guy that we go to for uh, plenty of curling action. Um, Great piece today in the Sun as to what Jennifer Jones and her teammates are dealing with right now as they try to stay in a bubble COVID-free before heading to represent Canada and trying to win another gold medal at the Beijing Olympics. After that, Mo Khan's going to pop on. And I mean, regular listeners know Mo's one of my favorite guys to have on the program. Can pretty much talk anything with Mo. Was planning on hitting some NFL topics, some CFL offseason. Of course, Mo's in Montreal. And today the Habs hired a new general manager. So we'll hit that as well with Mo coming up. And then a little later on in the program, the head coach of the Manitoba Moose, Mark Morrison, is going to join us. Really looking forward to that. What a great story the Moose have been this year, especially as of late, with so many players being called up to the Winnipeg Jets, playing for the Winnipeg Jets, occupying spots on the taxi squad, and the Manitoba Moose continue to grind out points. Very successful road trip just finishing up. So well. Uh, we'll speak with the head coach of the Moose about some of the players that are now with the winnipeg jets as well as how his team continues to get it done with such a revolving door in and out of the manitoba moose dressing room as we get things going a big thanks to the sponsors that make winnipeg sports talk happen every day f apparel vita health culligan water manitoba battery royal sports not auto Corp, little brown jug brewing princess auto boston pizza the nick and nicky dq group canadian club whiskey and of course cool bet canada Let's get Remo in here and get things going uh, Remo what's up how are you I'm feeling
2: great huss I'm ready for some hockey got a lot of games on tonight including uh, the Winnipeg Jets uh back in action so uh exciting stuff yeah we we got a game to watch six o'clock uh so you don't have to be up you know past midnight watching uh what Kenny and Rennie post show but uh yeah we got the lineup it's all set uh both teams uh missing some dudes so let's start let's start it off right,
1: yeah, I'm looking forward to this one tonight, and really, I mean, we've been talking about it for the better part of the last week, in addition to that Detroit game last thursday a uh you know a regular schedule this week and four very, very difficult games for the Winnipeg Jets um coming up beginning tonight, and uh, yeah, good old Eastern time zone game, mm-hmm. early start, six o'clock puck drop. Um, which will give us plenty of time to maybe watch some tennis a little later on. I I, I just finished the lock shop with Nielsen, uh, with Dusty, who, of course, was on the program yesterday. I have to give him an official congratulations on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, Rams won last night, running away with it. He finished up 6-0 and against the spread on the weekend. I was 4-2, and still a very, very good week. Uh, but we've been on fire. We went 6-0 and with the p- hockey picks last week. The football, one of our best weekends ever. So uh, we just did the lock shop. Check it out. We've got some hockey picks for tonight. I've got some tennis picks. Um, because, Remus, as I mentioned to you off air, uh, I, it took one day of the Australian Open to get me into uh, basically living on Australia time and being up all night betting and watching on tennis. Uh, it was a great start, personally, for the bankroll. Um, but the most exciting part of it all was uh, jumping on a live bet on Canadian Felix Auger al who was playing this Finnish dude that was on fire in sets two and three, beating Felix 6-0, 6-3. But Oje Yassim, the ninth seed in the event, came back, gutted out that fourth set, one and five. Um, So a fun night for tennis fans. And I will say this. The one, the best part about having the full TSN package with the five channels uh, and again, I'm not a big Formula One guy, but I do understand that Formula One uses this as well. All those extra channels that they have, being able to channel surf amongst all those early round games. Uh, lots of fun for uh, the tennis fans. Uh, unfortunately, as great as it was that Felix was able to win, and Dennis Chapavala plays a second round match later on today. Uh, a disappointing start for... Layla Annie Fernandez who came in with so much excitement over her incredible run to the uh, US Open finals tons of new sponsors unfortunately Layla's one and done as she was uh, shockingly upset to a wild card qualifier in the first round but um, not just hockey tonight we've got a lot of a uh, lot of tennis action that can take you up all night if you so shoes do but if you do spend all uh, if you are up all night especially if you're tweeting about it at 2:45 in the morning you better make sure you got your shoveling done the next day.
2: Yeah, early exit. You mentioned Layla's sponsor. I think I had, like, my Twitter-promoted tweets kept showing up her times Lululemon all week. <laughs> yeah. And uh, unfortunately, she gets bounced in, in the first round. But no doubt, it was still a bright future ahead for her. And yes, I watched a bit last night. I did wake up early, got my shoveling, and my wife My wife and I actually shoveled um together. Which was, which was really nice uh, active, family activity. You can, I think you might still be able
1: to get canceled for that considering what happened I didn't, on Twitter last week.
2: I didn't tweet about it. I didn't take picture yep. of us together <laughs> or anything. You know, I do stuff, Huss, with my family, and uh, not everything I do goes on, on social media. How much snow did you get? It was, man, the snow piles on our walkway, there's like piles um, over my waist, for sure, that, I, that have just accumulated. Like our backyard has been a cute like we have a play structure for my son that's probably about I don't know chest high that's like almost covered in snow like it's so deep uh back there so you know I invested in a new shovel to start the uh a year it's definitely Big paid up, paid Big for purchase. itself definitely paid for itself so uh I I'm excited excited to every time I get to go use it now and uh you know I shoveled this morning I'm sure I'm going to have to do it again this afternoon because it seemingly hasn't stopped
1: Yeah, no, it definitely is still coming on. That is one beautiful thing about living in a building where you don't have to worry about any Mm -hmm. of that stuff. And the indoor parking was the biggest game changer of my life. But not just in the winter, in the summer too, when things are super hot. But uh, I did poke around outside a little bit to see what was happening, but uh, I luckily... Um, was just able to focus on the tennis last night and not have to worry to get up and do any stuff like, yeah. Hey, before we get, uh, sorry,
2: go ahead. I was going to say, well, yeah, you know, living in a home also has disadvantage. And you know, we had an issue last night where, uh, one of the taps in my bathroom didn't want to turn off. And all of a sudden, it, and we were trying to twist it to, uh, you know, shut it off. Instead, we just made it worse and opened it all the way and we got water like rushing out and we can't. Can't turn it off. Then we almost, I started like bailing water out of the <laughs> sink into the toilet. There was no, there was no shut off under the sink. So uh, meanwhile, we're trying to give my son a bath and he's freaking out. That was my night last what,
1: night. Did, how did that get concluded? Or uh, is I it called still my,
2: running? I called my dad and he's like, you got to shut off the water in the basement at the water meter. I was like, oh, right. We have one of those. Then I went to Home Depot and picked up some washers. And my dad uh, wow, helped me put home, it
1: in. It, this involved an actual Home Depot trip, Reem? I went to Home Depot last <laughs> night, yeah. I can't believe what a handyman yeah. you're turning into. This is just so no. impressive.
2: No, my dad help, helped me out with that. So it was, it was interesting.
1: Hey, um, hey, listen, before we get to the Jets, I, I, I see Kabilis is in here. Jeff, RIP to your team. Um, what a yeah. dud served up i don't mean to to pile on here jeff i was on them at plus four as i discussed yesterday what an absolute dud by the cardinals yesterday um you know what that was a uh that that, that was a miserable miserable game for uh, the cardinals and you gotta wonder rima what cliff kingsbury uh, you know it if they stick with cliff kingsbury i mean this team was clearly I mean, they had a two-game lead with five games left. They ended up losing four or five, and they just got simply embarrassed last night. I mean, that was a no-show by the Cards and a big win by the Rams, who now go on to take on Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But when you think about the trajectory of Cliff Kingsbury as a head coach, good starts, terrible finishes year after year after year, um, I do wonder whether we might go from eight vacancies at head coach to nine in the National Football League in the coming days. I
2: guess we'll have to wait and see. Um, you know these first round exits. Uh, you know it's funny how all the games were blowouts, but I sat there and pretty much watched all all of them and oh, thought yeah. they were all amazing. Um, pretty pretty funny. So uh, I'm looking forward to the division where you have some real teams, but it's because it's pretty clear to me a couple of these teams were not deserving. To get into the uh, in the postseason. But
1: yeah, well, I'll tell you what, this upcoming is the best weekend of football in the uh, of the year, uh, in my opinion, divisional playoffs, eight best teams remaining two games, Saturday, two games, Sunday. Uh, We'll hit the cool bet lines a little later on today, fill you in on where those lines are in right now, especially now that uh, we do know the fourth matchup, which will be Brady and the Buccaneers hosting Matt Stafford and the LA Rams. But as we mentioned, game day tonight for the Winnipeg Jets, starting off this four game trip against the Washington Capitals. And a little bit of clarity to uh, how this lineup is going to be looking because um, there was a ton of players out for the morning skate today. Um, Eight guys in the regular sweat, eight guys in uh, the top two line uh, sweaters, if you will, eight guys wearing bottom six sweaters. But the way it looks like now is um, Blake Wheeler close to returning. He was in a full contact jersey. He's not going to play tonight. No Paul Stasny. We will see the return of Nikolai Ehlers to the lineup. Cole Perfetti gets another opportunity to play in the top six, along with Connor and Dubois. Austin McNansky will have another chance to ride shotgun with Adam Lowry and Jansen Harkins. And a fourth line of Veselainen, Tony Nato, and Christian Reichel. I, did, I would suggest a very important game for those players, especially knowing that guys are coming back. One more chance to show that Dave Lowry, that they should be in the lineup, Um, you know, when there's other options for the head coach to make. Yeah, I saw Blake Wheeler
2: in a regular jersey today. I was like, oh, could we see Wheeler in the lineup after one practice in a yellow jersey, one practice in a regular jersey? But... No, I guess they're going to give him a couple of skates. Same with Paul Stasny. He hasn't skated. Uh, Svechnikov looking okay for him. I'm, um, he's in a regular jersey, but I think he needs a, they said a couple games. So maybe on the weekend and then Dylan and Comrie, they didn't get the, I guess, the result to get out of protocols that they needed. So they're, they're stuck. And a lot of other extras as well. Uh, Mikey Iceman, Nate Bolieu, and Billy Hainala. So uh, Dylan Samberg is getting another opportunity. Um, I wonder if he's a placeholder for Brandon Dillon or he's, you know, given Logan Stanley, putting some pressure there Um Cole Perfetti, getting another shot with Connor Dubois. Looking forward to that. then you mentioned uh, Austin Pagansky, um, who's looked good. He's a right-handed shot up, which I think gives him an advantage because the team doesn't really have very many. Uh, the coach talked about how he liked his straight line style of play, a bit of an energy player. And I think they're going to need that, but also, you know, Get some offense from those bottom lines. Can't rely on the top two all the time. Washington, they're missing some guys too. Oshie's got an injury. Carlson in protocol. Connor Sheary, he's out as well. So, um, hey, a different look from the Jets' bottom six than we've seen. And Perfetti in in the top six. Ealer's back tonight. Uh, I am looking forward to the Jets. And I had to look up who the backup was. It seems like Comrie's been out. Holm and Burden have been rotating in and out of taxi squad protocol. But Burden is, in fact, the backup tonight so different looking jets lineup <clears throat> and uh, here we are game one of the four game road trip let's go
1: yeah um you know let's focus in on the blue line there for a minute as you mentioned Morse Demelo Demello will be playing together uh and dylan sandberg as you mentioned does stay in the lineup um you know ostensibly in the spot that we've seen brendan dylan in all season long What's quite interesting, though, is that he's apparently staying in that, you know, that sort of top four pairing, if you will. You know, Neil Pionk is going to get plenty of time on the ice. Um, And Logan Stanley comes back into the lineup playing with Nate Schmidt. But of course, we know Brendan Dillon is going to be coming back into the lineup quite soon. So, I mean, we won't make any deductions or assumptions on this other than um, Dylan Sandberg impressed enough to not only get another game, um, but stay in a spot that you know, he'll be playing a lot more than seven, eight minutes, where at times that's where you would, we would see in the past maybe a, a young defenseman come in and get a taste. And as I touched on this yesterday, Remus, I think this is a real, I don't want to call it a wake-up call, but a real challenge to Logan Stanley. Um, you know, he's going to need to up his level of play because there are some other guys in very similar situations to him, young players that have paid their dues in the minors, that are proving that they're ready for prime time in the National Hockey League. and. You know, Dylan Sandberg's in the mix right now. Billy Hanel is there, ready to go if they need him. Um, no Nate Boldio tonight. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing Sandberg get another opportunity. And I really am interested to see how we, uh, you know, what Logan Stanley looks like coming off the COVID list, because I think this is the first real significant challenge to him this season. That, um, you know, there's other guys there ready to go and take the job. Nate Polio wasn't really that guy, but I think with Sandberg and Vili Hainala being in the mix, either one of those guys is going to be an option. And uh, I think not just Stanley, but the entire defense group, I think is going to be pushed. And obviously, I've maintained it for a long time. Competition within the team is a very good thing. And uh, the Jets, I think for a long time, have sort of been able, could have used more of it. It looks like they've got it right now, especially on the blue line.
2: Yeah, Mike McIntyre was asking Coach Lowry, it's like, hey, you've got so many guys on in this morning skate. And he said, yeah, I want to have all these guys on. I want people to know that if you're playing well, you're going to play. And I think they want to have that internal competition. We did have some official transactions from the Jets just now, just, you know, making everything official. Okay. So, Burden got recalled, Iceman recalled, Poganski recalled, Reichel recalled from the taxi squad. I mean, this is just paper transactions here. But CJC's has been placed on on IR and he we didn't really hear his name yesterday, skating or or today as well. So I think just all these just, just paper transactions pretty much assumed based on what the what the lineup was showing on the screen and we just uh mentioned is I guess for people on podcast, we can mention cop Shafley Ehlers, Connor Dubois, Perfetti, Harkins, Lowry, Poganski, Besselainen, Tony Nato, Reichel, Morrissey, DeMello, Sandberg, Pionk, Stanley, Schmidt, and Kesa, He's of podcast listeners uh missed out on that one hey guys yeah so and no
1: surprise to anybody connor yeah. hellebuck in net and we kind of yeah. touched on this uh earlier but i mean i think that you know we'll see connor tonight i think we'll see connor thursday and it wouldn't at all surprise me if we see connor and net in both of those matinees in pittsburgh and boston on the weekend um and the other thing remus i'm looking forward to i saw a tweet from nick kiprios um you know i've heard some scuttlebutt amongst people um that frankly need to know um, I don't think we're too far away from getting some sort of clarity as to what this schedule is going to look like in February for all of these games, or at least the majority of the games that have been postponed to get made up during what was supposed to be the Olympic break.
2: Yeah, I saw Bruce Garriock, um as well saying, okay, this week they're going to have the dates. I, do, I can confirm, Hustler, that uh, the game here against uh, Vancouver next Thursday will be played here without fans. Uh, I I can con, I can confirm Breaking that news. One. Breaking uh, News Breaking News and the
1: Florida game as well I guess.
2: I'm guessing the Florida game too. I just know about the Vancouver because I will be there um in attendance uh working at the game. So I'm ex- very excited to get a prime parking spot and
1: uh <laughs> You've been waiting a month for a no yeah, fans game to so so, get out there be able to get I'm in.
2: So excited uh so excited for for that no fans game so we'll uh, see what happens. it's going to be really depressing actually being in there and realizing that you're at a gay hockey game with no fans and it's dead dead quiet it's uh, they're pretty bad on tv
1: listen i know it's a bit of a hot button yeah. topic certainly in the community and social media i don't really know if it's that much in the community to be frank but certainly no, uh, you know if you look at on social media you know what happens going forward i mean these current health orders that limit capacity to 250 people goes until the end of the month so yeah it sounds like those two games next week have to get played i can tell you that florida uh, will be on this road trip they're going to calgary they're going to edmonton i'm not sure if they play in vancouver in the meantime but they will be here next week uh as well as the, the minnesota wild those two games that are scheduled but then at the end of the month um the current health uh, orders expire so i certainly don't expect them to just say okay we're back to normal and it's a full building but Uh, I would imagine, depending on where our numbers are at that point, there might be the potential to at least get back to, say, 50 percent and, uh, you know, kind of do what they were planning on doing originally right around Christmas time with the, uh, you know, if you're a season ticket holder, you're getting one game, you're not getting the other and trying to fairly distribute the tickets to everyone that's already purchased them uh, all right we've got lots coming up on the program as i mentioned mo going to join us from montreal habs have a new general manager get mo's take on that number of the big football topics manitoba moose head coach mark morrison a little bit later on and coming up in just a second our good friend ted wyman of the winnipeg sun uh before we do that 2022 is here And hopefully we'll be getting back to doing all the things we love to do, which includes gathering, weddings, parties, um, and of course, F Apparel will get you ready to look your best in 2022. Uh, They are a locally owned group doing the best custom suits for men around, and not just suits, um, dress shirts, winter jackets, casual chinos, golf pants, tucked on dress shirts, Shoes, ties, accessories, and more. Every guy needs at least one suit that fits and looks great. And F's custom-made suits start at just four hundred dollars. They're also the top choice in Winnipeg for wedding and grad suits. If you are involved in a wedding coming up this summer, call Andrew and the guys over at F Apparel. They'll outfit you and your group, and you'll get fifteen percent off when the group buys their suits from us. One ninety Smith Street downtown. Make an appointment at F E P H Apparel. Dot com. um Vita Health, of course, is uh ro- rolling into the new year, and so many folks may be trying to uh, change some of the habits or at least take a break from some of the things that they did through the holiday season. If you're, uh, for instance, doing a sober January, Vita Health has an incredible selection of non-alcoholic beer from Sober Carpenter and Neil Brothers, the Soul Brew Elixirs, Boreal Botanicals, and Clever Mocktails. And if you're thinking of dipping your toes into the vegan waters. Vita Health carries so many plant-based and vegan products, including Tofurky, Field Roast, Gardein, The Very Good Butchers, Light Life Beyond Meat, and more. You can also join their exclusive Vita VIP list by texting Vita VIP to one 630 1970 to receive special offers all year long and to be entered to win a $100 Vita Health gift card. Seven locations in Winnipeg, including the newest store in Linden Ridge, and online at myvita.ca. And of course, the uh, our friends over at Culligan and Culligan Water have been uh, our go-to people for water services in Manitoba for 65 years. Some things never change, and that's the great service of the uh, folks over at Culligan, 1200 Sargent Avenue. They've got it all, water softeners, filters, coolers, whole home systems and drinking water systems, and city-wide delivery services. For you and your family, not to mention if you've got water needs for your business, Culligan Water has amazing commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Talk to the experts at Culligan. Give them a call at 204-694-5180. Tell them your boys at Winnipeg Sports Talk sent you. And you can also find out more online at drinkculligan.com. All right, let's get to it. Ted Wyman joins us now. Ted, great to have you back in the program. What's going on? How are you? I'm doing well,
3: Huss. Always great to be on the program. I'm rather happy that I work from home today and I don't really have to go out anywhere. It's no, uh, not looking so fun out there.
1: Have you, uh, have you been spending time shoveling? We just had a nice shoveling conversation with Remus earlier. He's so proud of his new shovel. We got it done yesterday. It sounds like there's quite a bit of work to be done out on the city if, uh, if you are, are in a, uh, a home that requires, uh, requires snow removal.
3: Oh, yes. There's a lot to be done and, uh, and more to be done yet here. And obviously, it's just one of those uh, things that we deal with a lot. I, I think we're usually better prepared for it than they are in Ontario. But, you know, I, I think they legitimately got smoked with snow uh, in Ontario this, last, this week. Uh, <laughs> my daughter lives in Ottawa and she said it took an hour just to get her car out. And she, of course, is one of those Manitobans who's saying, ah, come on, you people don't know winter. But uh, I think it was pretty bad anyway.
1: Yeah, they got a serious dump out east, and I think they're still dealing with it right now. I mean, uh, this is nothing new for us, but it still is a bit of a pain in the ass, and everyone's dealing with it, but we will move on up. The good thing is we've got a lot of sports coming up. Um, the Jets finally getting back on the ice, Ted, and it's been such a bizarre last really six, seven weeks. And we were speaking yesterday about Blake Wheeler. Blake Wheeler was injured on the 10th of December, playing the Vancouver Canucks. Ironically, playing probably his best game of the season. That line looked amazing. Um, He was knocked out of that game. Since then, the Jets have played seven games. And Paul Maurice stepped down as the head coach. I mean, we haven't heard from Blake Wheeler yet since Paul Maurice stepped down. And that seems like so long ago. And yet, through all this time, you know, with the serious injury that kept him out for a number of weeks, he only missed seven games. Nine more of them have been postponed.
3: Well, I guess if you're looking for a silver lining in any of it, that's it, right? Mm-hmm. captain doesn't miss as much time as was expected because this has just been the most bizarre stretch of, uh, of any sport that I've followed in my life, to be honest, where, you know, at least in 2020, it was canceled. It was done. They're not playing now you just don't know you didn't know from day to day what was going to happen and the jets have had so many games canceled it's you know I, I you fear that you're going to lose a little bit of that public consciousness because people aren't even thinking oh is there a game on tonight it's kind of like just going about your business assuming there isn't going to be one it's just so far between games and of course the implications are huge in terms of what it's going to mean going forward because they've only played 34 games i mean it's almost, it's more than, more than past mid January. I mean, this is the time when you're usually halfway through your season at least, and they've got so much to make up and it's just going to be such an interesting thing. And, you know, you really have to say that, uh, uh, you know, you don't want to, certainly, I don't think people are going to want to make excuses for this organization and for how this season ends up going, but I don't know if you can judge what a season ends up being like in this environment where, (laughs) There's been so many players who normally wouldn't even have played getting in the lineup and and such a huge disruption to everything because of this pandemic.
1: Well, you know what? It's a great point, Ted. And, you know, to your point, I'm just looking at the West right now. And the Jets, along with Calgary, have played the least amount of games in the entire Western Conference at 34. Uh, But there's plenty of teams in the neighborhood. I mean, the Wild, Edmonton, Dallas have played 35. Uh, You do have a few teams like the Ducks, Sharks. Reds, Golden Knights that are up at 40 where they should be. Um, But everyone's been dealing with this. And certainly every team has been dealing with players being in another lineup due to uh, the list. Um, But at the same time, Ted, I think from a Jets fan perspective, it has been quite interesting, especially last Thursday in Detroit, to see the Jets sort of forced into a role where um, not only were they bringing in a couple guys from the Manitoba Moose, but skipping a number of guys that probably were higher on the depth chart because they were also on the Moose COVID list. But Dylan Sandberg certainly impressed, as did Declan Chisholm. And I know Chisholm's back with the Manitoba Moose, um, but many of us expected to see Johnny Kovacevic or Billy Hanela before Declan Chisholm. Uh, it was a bit of an eye-opener at just how talented this young defense is for the Manitoba Moose and how deep the Jets are organizationally, even with five veteran players on the blue line signed for another three years. Well,
3: if you you know if you give any thought to that, it's true, Hus, because you you can look back and and look at um, I think there was a two day period where the Moose and the Jets both played, and the Moose were down something like eleven regulars because some of them are, were up with the Jets, others were in COVID protocol. The Jets go in the next night with I think eight regulars out and all these guys from the Moose up, and I think the combined score was five nothing. Um, you know, and, and both teams get wins. I mean, there's got to be something very encouraging in that, that the, t- that the organization does have that kind of depth where they were able, able to do that. But the other thing is another silver lining, and that's that you're getting a chance to actually see some of these guys in action and to actually give them that opportunity. That has been a long time in Winnipeg where the, you know, fan base has been clamoring to see more of the young guys out there and here they're actually getting a chance. I mean, Declan Chisholm is not a guy you expected to get a chance to see, but he is a good prospect. He was an excellent player in the OHL. He's a player who's going to be um, you know, doing really well at the AHL level, and then you get a chance to see him, and and it's, uh, you know, it's a bonus for you. And obviously, Dylan Sandberg as, as well, a guy that maybe people thought might just come up and start the NHL season last year because they thought he was ready coming out of college. Obviously, the Jets organization didn't agree, but here they're getting a chance again to see him, and you never know with guys like that. I, I look back uh, when Josh Morrissey had his um, last season in the AHL, and I remember people talking that he, he wasn't really playing that well, and they were worried about what his situation was going to be. The very next season, he comes up and he's uh, a regular on the on the blue line in the NHL. It's like it's a weird sometimes a weird um, optic you can't totally tell what's going to happen with these guys but when you do get a chance to see them like we have with some of these young players it can really uh, change your perspective on what you
1: have well absolutely ted and i think it's a great point i mean i think it's great for the organization and very good for a team especially a team with a new head coach where i mean i think certainly the idea is that there's more of a clean slate for a lot of players veterans need to prove that they deserve to be in the lineup and they're the best choices for the head coach and a number of young players realizing that there will be opportunity and needing to make the most of it and listen to me the fact that Sandberg is back in in Dylan's spot playing with Neil Pionk and Logan Stanley is in with Nate Schmidt um, it'll be interesting to see what the ice time is towards the end of the game but um, listen I know it was the Detroit Red Wings who are not one of the top teams in the NHL but Sandberg absolutely, I think, earned another spot and I think earned a lot of confidence from the coaching staff. And, um, you know, to me, I'm not saying that Logan Stanley needed a wake-up call, but of of the six defensemen that are the quote-unquote regulars of one to six, um, I don't want to say he has to be looking over his shoulder, but for a guy that missed that game and gave somebody else the opportunity, um, you would think that this is going to be a real challenge for Stanley especially, but really for the entire group. because sandberg's there billy hanel is out skating with the team right now you know he's ready to go and would love to get an opportunity and uh to me that's a good thing for the hockey club and definitely uh, you know for dave lowry a very interesting situation and something that to be honest i don't think we probably would have seen maybe if paul maurice was still behind the bench
3: well and i mean what better opportunity is there for a young defensemen than to go up against washington i mean yeah. what do they have right well, you know, obviously, it's going to be pretty exciting for some of those young guys, especially to play against Alexander Ovechkin, who is just doing miraculous things this season at his age. I mean, he's not—he's not old compared to guys like you and me, Hus, But he's a—he's—he's he's a little older for an NHL player, and he's still right there at the top of the scoring race. I mean, you just—it uh, boggles the mind and and makes you realize that there really is a, a pretty good chance that he's going to get his name in the record books in terms of goal scoring and a record that most of us thought would never be broken. But what a a great thing, I think uh, in your organization to have young guys like Cole Perfetti, like Dylan Sandberg, and there's a few other guys who might be getting in the lineup tonight. They're going to get to go up against one of the greatest players who ever played in the NHL and against a very good team, a real good test. And obviously, obviously these games here for the Jets are huge. I mean, they're, they're you know, they did get that win against Detroit. They did play well, They've played well in their last four or five games other than that one game in Colorado. But that was a great team they were playing in Colorado and they didn't show up. Well, they've got great teams ahead of them here and they're just going to have to show up and it doesn't matter what the lineup is, you're going to have to be in there because you could find yourself in some real trouble if it doesn't go well on this road trip.
1: Well, it's a great point. Dad. I mean, I think the Jets have been the beneficiaries of uh, a lot of positive results on the scoreboard for the last little while. I mean, they haven't, as you mentioned, I mean, they haven't really been playing any games. Um, they've done a good job of generating points when they've been playing with the exception of that debacle in Colorado a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but now going in, I mean, this road trip, we've been talking about it for a week. I mean, we joke about the amount of litmus test games for the Winnipeg Jets. I think we've got four of them coming up right now. But the bottom line is that the Jets right now, have, uh, if you if you just break down points per game played and points percentage. The Jets actually would be holding on to that final wildcard spot right now, but there's so much hockey left to be played. And there is because they've missed so many games, some ground to be made up. And uh none of those games in hand matter if you're losing them. And gotta tell you, I mean, Washington, Nashville, who's been a very surprising team this year, huge divisional game on Thursday, and then Pittsburgh and Boston. I mean, this is an incredible gauntlet for the Winnipeg Jets, but I mean to come back without anything to show for it would be devastating for a team that, you know, through a very strange time in the schedule, without very many games, has managed to sort of stay in the mix and aren't in a terrible situation right now. But it's all incumbent on continuing to stack up points uh, beginning tonight in uh, D.C.
3: Yeah, there's no doubt about that. I mean, it's really interesting because they do not have, um, they, they haven't played that much, right? They've only played 34 games. It is not like this is the dire part of the season, and yet it feels kind of like it's entering that part, right? You're getting close to the all-star break. It's after the all-star break when teams make their hay, and that's where you have to be in the playoff spot and you have to be battling for it. This is only game number 35 coming up, and so realistically, this team needs to be settling in to that middle-of-the-season grind, right, where you're just trying to eke out any points you can here and there, especially on a tough road trip. But it feels so much more desperate because of the time of year, not so much the time in the season. And I do think that, uh, you know, maybe there's some advantage in terms of um, how the Jets have played. Like you you talked about that Colorado game. You said a couple of weeks ago. That was two games ago. I mean, that's, that's the amazing <laughs> thing about it, right? So they've had a ton of rest. Not all these other teams have and i know the jets didn't always haven't always historically played well with rest but i do think that it's looked a bit like they have in this last uh, stretch of games that they've played which wasn't very many games but they played pretty well in most of them so i think they need to take advantage of that i think they need to have great legs out there and just skate with the washington capitals and and do everything they can to scrape out a point but i do think that there's room to be more to, to make sure they keep that grinding mindset going because it's not like they have to panic right now to try to get into the playoffs there's a lot of time left
1: ted wyman with us from the winnipeg sun here on winnipeg sports talk daily you know i'm not sure if we spoke on the program at least since maurice stepped down and this is such a difficult question to answer to be honest ted because as we've mentioned there's been so few games but uh in a small sample with a ton of practices what um what have you noticed about Dave Lowry and uh, how things might be uh, different under the new head coach, the interim head coach, as opposed to Paul Maurice, who was, uh, you know, the guy for the last eight plus years.
3: Well, clearly he likes young players, right? <laughs> <laughs> that other guy, he didn't like young players. No, uh, obviously that's been, that, that hand has been forced on Dave Lowry, but uh, you know, they've done a pretty good job. Look, I mean, I, I really think it is too small of a sample size to have any idea of what his uh, what his performance is uh, in terms of this job as the head coach. I mean, it's not easy to come in and be an interim guy, but you are doing the job that, that was asked of you when the team decided that it needed a different voice. And Paul Maurice was among the people who believed that this team needed a different voice. And so Dave Lowry comes in and he brings that different voice. He's a different person from Maurice, he did coach with him but he's been a head coach in other situations on his own and he has his own style and i do think that you're seeing some of that permeate into this roster into this lineup a bit but i don't know that you can really read too much into it because we just don't have enough games to to show us that and i mean you know in my opinion for dave lowry to become the full-time head coach of this team well you got to get to the playoffs and that's and it'll be a pretty tall order no matter what, because there's a lot of good teams in this league and the Jets didn't have the greatest start to their season.
1: Yeah, no, but they are in a situation right now where, uh, I mean, you know, they don't have to make up, you know, 12 points. I mean, the East talking with Dustin Nielsen earlier today in the lock shot, the East playoff race is over. It yeah. is over right now. There is eight teams that are in and the rest of them are out and it is Incredibly unlikely that any of those teams under the playoff line have almost a sniff of getting in. Different story though in the West, especially with how many games haven't been played specifically for the for the Canadian teams. Hey, before we move on to the Bombers and a little curling, um, you know I will say this: I I miss Maurice's pressers. Um, Those are always so much fun to have. And you know Dave Lowry's a very different guy with a bit of a different style when it comes to dealing with the media. And Maurice was just a special communicator, as we all know. Um, I'm in. I, I'm incredibly interested to hear what we're going to uh, get from Blake Wheeler, the captain. The first time we hear from uh, the, the captain, I mean, did yesterday, Dave Lowry said that was the first time he'd seen him in a month, um, as he'd been recovering from uh, the lower body injury. Um, we know the relationship that Wheeler had with Maurice and we also know that he's coming back into a situation with a new head coach with other guys playing in the top six working back in. I have no doubt that we're going to see the best of Blake Wheeler. I mean I think he'll be incredibly determined to prove himself once again as he always has been. But I'm fascinated to hear what we uh, to hear what we get from Wheeler the first time he meets with the media because um, so much has happened with this hockey club since the last time we talked to him and Saw him after that amazing game that he and his line mates played in Vancouver. Ended up with the, him being out for a number of weeks and potentially close to returning on this road trip.
3: What an interesting situation that is for for a player of his veteran stature to really not even be um, involved, you know, with the new coach at the at the level that you normally would. And obviously, he is the team captain. He's uh, he's got a you know massive role within this team, no matter what the situation is but i do believe and in all honesty Hus, i think we've seen some developments with the jets this year in in the games when blake wheeler's been out and i think that you know you really do believe that blake wheeler is the the big leader of this team he has been for quite a long time he's the guy that these players follow and he's the most important person in the dressing room. Well, they've done pretty well in the games when he hasn't been playing. I'm not saying that has anything to do with him in particular, but they've shown that they can get by without such an important player. And and I think maybe that takes some of the pressure off of Wheeler when he comes back here. I don't think he needs to be putting too much on his shoulders. I think he can be a, a, a more of a, a role player with this team. And um, they've, they've shown that they can put together a top line. They can put together a second line doesn't have to have blake wheeler on it and he could play anywhere in that lineup and have his production i think he's always going to be important on the power play and obviously what he has to say when he comes back here is going to be interesting because it's almost too far gone to even discuss the paul Maurice situation i'm sure he's only going to want to focus on the present and uh, i i can't imagine that he's um got any issues with what uh dave lowry brings to the table uh, as a guy who's been in this league for a long time he's just going to go with what uh, comes along and and try to do his best to get this team into the playoffs.
1: Ted Wyman with us. Um, Ted, let's quickly uh, flip over before we get to uh, the pebble um, to the bombers. Um, Willie Jay's back. Jackson Jeffcoat's back. The offensive line's looking pretty good. Still no QB signed. Um, what do you make the situation with Zach Caleros uh, still without a deal at this point with the Winnipeg blue bombers? Should bomber fans be concerned? I
3: don't think they should be concerned. I think Zach Caleros has all the leverage in this situation, and it's a you know it's it's a difficult uh, negotiation for the Blue bombers because you have to keep cost effectiveness in line when you're doing these things. And plus what you really want to do is sign pretty much everybody that came uh, that played in the Grey Cup last year and is now a pending free agent. But if you have to pay the absolute top money for quarterbacks in this league, to Zach Kalaros, because Zach Kalaros was the best player in the CFL last season, and he's won your great cups in two consecutive years as the starting quarterback. Well, that might affect what you can pay Adam Big Hill, Andrew Harris, Stanley Bryant, Darvin Adams, Kenny Lawler, anyone that might be available to them um, through, you know, that is currently a, a free agent. So, I mean, it, it's a big trickle down thing. It's a, it's a matter of what you can pay the man. I don't really see there being. A, a scenario where he's going somewhere else. Uh, most of the teams have their quarterbacking situations pretty well situated, um, but you can't. If you're Zach Caleros's camp, you're not just taking whatever Winnipeg wants to offer you. <laughs> and there's other players that have done the same, you know. And and you can't blame them. You've gotta you've gotta look out for yourself in some ways. But I truly believe that Zach Calero's never enjoyed anywhere in his career more than he's enjoyed these last two years in Winnipeg. And I really do believe that he would like to be back and be a part of this opportunity to go for a third straight cup. It's just one of those things that is going to take time to get it all down on paper.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, Ted Wyman is with us. and uh, This is a perfect opportunity to get into uh, a little Princess Auto curling report for our friends over at Princess Auto. Of course, proud sponsors of the Mike McEwen rank and Jennifer Jones rank, who's representing Canada at the Olympics. Of course, Princess Auto is where you find the best deals and the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Two local locations. Check them out online and shop online at princessauto.com. Ted, really interesting piece in today's sun on the preparation of Jennifer Jones and her teammates before going out to Beijing. And I mean, you mentioned how bizarre this season has been on the uh, hockey rink and in the National Hockey League. Um, I'm not even sure if bizarre begins to touch what has happened through the curling world over the past few weeks, figuring out who the hell's going to represent Canada at the mixed doubles without trials that were supposed to be here in Portage. And for the teams that have qualified, what they're doing to essentially stay in the bubble and not test positive before getting on that plane to Beijing.
3: Well, oh, it's it's really kind of amazing but the you know the number one thing that almost is the most amazing out of it is that the Jennifer Jones and Brad Gushu teams the last time they played a competitive game was when they won the Olympic trials at the end of November they have not played at all and realistically since christmas they have not gone anywhere at all uh, jennifer jones was telling me that you know basically she and her husband brent lang are um, in the house Uh, 24-7, other than when she goes out to to practice in a closed curling club, basically by herself or with one or two teammates that are around. And then the rest of the time is spent homeschooling their two daughters who can't go to school because they can't risk anything in terms of potentially getting COVID-19. It's the same thing um, for Don McEwen and Mike McEwen. Of course, he mentioned earlier, they have a young daughter who's supposed to be in grade one. They're not able to uh, have her in school right now, even though you could go back to school in Manitoba and I believe in Ontario as well, but they're having to keep them home. So you can only imagine what that's like in terms of a, a, an athlete that's at the highest level of their sport and is about to go represent their country at the Olympics, which is the pinnacle of a sport in this world. And they can't really practice. They're not with their teammates. They're not playing any games and they're spending so much of their time at home, helping to homeschool their children, and 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 the responsibilities that are clashing there, you know. Uh, I do know that the Gushu team has set up a training camp in Vancouver. Rachel Holman and John Morris have set up theirs in Canmore, and uh, the uh, Jennifer Jones team team will be setting up in the Toronto area uh, later on this week. But you know, most of these curlers do have children, and you think about them going into a training camp now here with two weeks left in uh, January and then it's gonna be three weeks into February before they're even coming home. That's a pretty big sacrifice that all of these curlers are doing And, and I think it was important to highlight that in the story that I had today
1: yeah um you know you you don't think about these things or at least i mean i guess people with kids do i mean i'm kind of thinking about hey how, how are they going to be competitive how are they playing together right now and that was my takeaway like man all these people are in different areas right now with you know yeah. the, these teams they often you know aren't all living in the same neighborhood playing at the same club until they're training right now so so much happening uh you know for the teams let's get to the mix for a minute um I mean, you've been all over this story. It was a lot of intrigue as to who would be selected by Curling Canada. How difficult of a decision was it for the governing body to select a representative without trials? Um, And was it a controversial selection? Certainly, we know John Morris has got it done before, and Rachel Holman's one of the most decorated curlers um, in the women's game in the last decade or so when it comes comes to the women's side of things. But that's in the team thing, not necessarily in the mix.
3: It was a very difficult choice and a very controversial choice because you did not have your Olympic trials. And there are a fair number of um, teams in Canada that are dedicated to mixed doubles curling and have played way more games together than uh, John Morris and Rachel Homan have. And there was a lot of um, people certainly in those circles that felt like it was a bit unfair Uh, there was certainly a suggestion that curling Canada knew who they wanted to pick. And then they kind of came up with criteria that would allow them to back that pick up. And uh, that really includes what they did was they, they looked at uh, their mixed doubles ranking. They also looked at their winning percentage over the last, however many years. And they looked at their experience on the international stage. Really you had to have that experience on the international stage or else your name was just getting thrown out completely. And so that obviously helped Holman and Morris, plus the fact that they're 45-9, and nine, or 45-4, and four, I think, actually, in the games that they've played together over the last six years. Now, that's only 49 games in six years. It's really not very much. Um, but they have been very successful in the events they've played in. Only once were they in the Canadian Championship together, though. So, that, yeah, they have international experience, but certainly not together. So that is something that other people... Took a little bit of an issue with. Now, I I think you're you're sending a very a team that has a very good chance to go there and win, but I do think there was a a bit of a slap in the face to some of the curlers who have worked very hard to get their names in that mix, and a lot of them really felt like they never were even considered when it came right down to it. So yeah, there's some bitterness out there, and you know it's going to be really interesting. I, I, I think John Morris is one of the best curlers in the world, and certainly one of the better mixed doubles players. But if they don't come home with a medal, it's going to be some uh, pretty heavy talk about that.
1: No doubt about it. And, uh, you know, I had the chance to, uh, you know, bump into and talk to Manitoba's Colton Lott out at the Olympic trials. He, of course, came in and was playing with Maddie Dunstone's team representing Saskatchewan. But, uh, you, of course, up from Winnipeg Beach, along with his partner, Kedriana's Hadiak, I mean, they have an incredible incredible track record of mixed doubles. That was. I was sort of pulling for them and I think they would have been a great choice if they wanted to get a group that was specializing in mixed. And I think a lot of people thought that that may have been the right way to go. Um, but hard to criticize John Morris because he of course does have a gold medal in his uh, trophy case. Um, if Fleury had won that final game, is it Morris and Caitlin Laws, do you think?
3: No, Morris and Caitlin Laws have not played together really since the, 2018 olympics and realistically they were a thrown together team and the only reason that they did get thrown together was because rachel holman won the women's event at the ah. Olympic trials, and she would have been john morris's partner then but uh he picked up caitlin laws as a spare and i don't know she's just got the magic touch that uh, that woman she's uh, been to the olympics twice and she's won two gold medals and here she is going again for a third time which is a great story for uh um for uh caitlin who is of course is from winnipeg and um, that in itself is is really great, but I don't think she would have been part of that next doubles mix. Now, had, uh, however, uh, Tracy Fleury won that game, as you said, Jennifer Jones and Brent Lang would have been extremely high on the list of uh, of potential choices to go. Over there uh, to represent Canada because um, they, I think, were number two in the country on the mixed doubles rankings, and of course, they have a little bit of international experience.
1: Yeah, no doubt about. It. Good communication too, being together all the time. Ted, thanks so much for doing this, man. Great to have you on the program, and uh, can't wait to uh, follow everything going on in Beijing.
3: Yeah, it's going to be it's it's tough, just like all the curlers, us, and all the athletes around the country. You know, I'm trying to isolate because you just don't want to take any risk right now um, before getting on that plane to go to Beijing next week. So uh, keeping the fingers crossed that I can stay uh, Omicron free until then and then uh, get over there and and write about all these great stories that are going to be coming out of there.
1: Beautiful. Well, listen, you be well, travel safely. And we can't wait to uh, see and hear all of your uh, coverage for uh, The Sun and Post Media coming up from Beijing. Thanks for doing this, Ted. All right. Have a great day. House. Good stuff. All right, there's Ted Wyman coming up in just a second. I'm going to hook up with our good friend Mo Khan. Of course, Manitoba Batteries keeping you rolling on the roads throughout the entire winter. We've got another deep freeze coming up after this snowstorm today. Make sure that you are not on the side of the road calling one of your buddies to come and boost you because your battery doesn't work. Pop by Manitoba Battery, a free test on your current battery and the best prices in town on battery starting at 89 for your car with Core Exchange. Uh, they've also got delivery service as well. You can give them a call at 204-783-8787. Um, shop local, save time at the big box stores like Costco, and uh, make sure that you're not that guy. You can be the booster, not the boost um, when you're charged up with our friends over at Manitoba Battery at 1026 Logan. And, of course, we're getting a lot of snow, which the... Uh, Skidooers and snowmobilers are ready for batteries for all makes and models as well, usually between $65, $75. Give them a buzz or pop down and see them at Manitoba Battery, and you can find them online at manitobabattery.com. Royal Sports is ready for the NFL playoffs. The final eight teams are still standing. Incredible NFL merchandise selection over at Royal Sports, not to mention Blue Bomber Championship gear. And Winnipeg Jets gear thousands and thousands of pieces of Jets merchandise, including check out their Instagram page um some old school Salani jerseys i saw a hedberg that just came in yesterday um it's all there on the royal sports instagram feed at royal sports pembina and of course check out the uh, king's feed as well on the other side all the cool stuff at king's skate snowman surf they're at kings underscore sss our friends at royal sports over at 750 pembina highway and if you're thinking about a vehicle in 2022 Start your search with the experts over at Knot Auto Corp. Why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Knot team? Visit them at Waverly and McGillivray or start your search online at Not.ca. And don't forget to check out the Winnipeg Car Lab as well on all of your local social media feeds. Let's head out to Montreal right now and welcome back for the first time in 22. Our good friend Mo Khan, who is looking resplendent, rocking the Team Canada toque um maybe you just came back in from shoveling with all the snow that they got out east right now mo what's up how are you doing man great to have you back on the program
0: My uh golf talk for team canada last time we conversed back in in the fall so I said, every time I come on your show, I'm going to wear something Team Canada related. So we're in the uh, Nike soccer tube that they'll be wearing in Hamilton at the end of the month. I love it. I love it. Unfortunately, no Alfonso Davies.
1: is uh, He's on the, uh, the COVID list, as it were. But um, yeah, that'll be a real exciting and a huge match for Canada as we look to uh, qualify for the World Cup. Listen, I wanted to get into some NFL and the CFL talk with you, but um, it was sort of fortuitous timing that we'd already planned to catch up today and uh, the habs name a new general manager kent hughes doesn't sound very francophone to me uh but apparently he's actually from montreal fill us in on the new gm of the habs and the reaction in montreal uh,
0: mo yeah so kent hughes is a montrealer he grew up in the west island of the city uh in a predominantly english area of, of the city of montreal And he went to become a hockey agent representing Chris Latang, Patrice Bergeron, a couple of no-names that we know about in the NHL uh, during his time as an agent. He's lived in Boston for about 20 years of his life. He has a family down in Boston. His kid actually plays for uh, the USA Development Hockey Team right as we speak, Jack Hughes, no relation to the actual Hughes playing for the Devils. And this is a guy that was, uh, cl- that is close to Jeff Gorton, who's the head of hockey ops here in the, in the Montreal organization. And I think what it came down to, Andrew, from the sense that we all got, it came down to either him, Ken Hughes, or Matthew Darsh who is uh, down in Tampa right now as the assistant GM to, uh, uh, to Julian Breeze was. So I think what it came down to was who was more convincing in their arguments. And I think for Ken Hughes, he comes in with a different look because he's an agent here now in the role as a GM for the Montreal Canadiens. And in the city today, a lot of mixed reaction because the language arts being a big role, big influence with this organization. And some saying, well, he's English. Well, no, he's bilingual. He can speak both languages very well. So we'll see now. He's got a five-year deal. So he's got time to work with here. And for him to leave his position as a key agent in the hockey world, I think that was one of his demands to get that long-term deal in his his back pocket, which he has now. And let's see what him and Gorta can do now moving forward with this franchise in the uh, bottom of the NHL.
1: Yeah, I mean, listen, I'd want a five-year deal as well if I was rolling into that situation right now. Hmm. Because, I mean, it... I mean, it really is somewhat stunning i mean it was not years ago it was months ago that we were talking about the montreal canadians in the mm. stanley cup final and then yesterday they're playing in the toilet bowl of the national hockey league in the afternoon against the arizona coyotes i mean the the, the bottom literally has fallen on the halves hasn't
0: it it really has and it's been a stunning fall from grace when you think about it and now you know making the point on montreal radio with my colleagues i said you go back to may when they beat Toronto, it was sort of the kiss of death for the franchise because had they lost to Toronto in five games, Andrew, they would have cleaned out. Got rid of Ducharme, Bergevin, and it would have been a clean start from a clean break from that point onwards. For them to keep Bergevin and then to keep Dom Ducharme now, who's hanging by the wayside because we don't know if he will be the head coach after this season. Uh, There's a lot of moving parts here because the future of Carey Price, the future of Brendan Gallagher, Jeff Petrie, these are guys now on the back nine of their careers of an age component that, hey, if Jeff Gordon and Kent Hughes want to go younger, these guys are probably going to say, look, we don't want to be here. We want to be on a cup contending team. The question now that remains for this franchise moving forward is with these long term deals, because these guys are locked in for four, five, if not six years. Can they get full value in return for them? Or will they, will they have to eat salary to get them off the books here? So these next four or five months will be intriguing, Andrew. But let's not forget, the NHL draft, knock on wood, will be in Montreal in early July. If the Habs end up having the top pick or the top two pick, it's going to definitely be a seminal moment for this administration to have the right tracks going in the right direction. So uh, who's calling the shots? Is it uh, Hughes or Gordon? I, I, look, I, I've, I've said this on air. When it comes down to that player, right, who has last say, Jeff Gorton or Ken Hughes? A lot of people have been saying that whoever Gorton was going to hire to be in that GM role was more or less a puppet, kind of like a Mike Mayock to John Gruden with the Las Vegas Raiders, right? That, hey, you can do your thing, but at the end of the day, I have final say. I think for Jeff Gorton, he definitely will have a bigger say or influence in the decision-making for Ken Hughes because, again, you're talking about a guy who's been a player agent now assuming – the most important role in the Quebec region, not the premier of Quebec, but the GM of the Montreal Canadiens. So, this is going to be a fascinating move here. And I'll be quite fat, I'll be quite intrigued to see how these guys will go about with their business because maybe Ken Hughes might like someone else, but Jeff might have final say, look, we're going to go with player B or C, not player A in your mind. So, it'd be, it'd be fascinating to see how this works from the report perspective here. But as long as they have the right guys in place that are going to question people in the right way, I think it could work. But again, patience is required for half fans in the city
1: mo Khan joining us on winnipeg sports talk from montreal with tsn 690 uh mo let's move over to uh, the pigskin uh, first off last night i is that the end of cliff kingsbury i know there's i was mentioning to remus there's eight uh there's eight openings right now uh considering the way they finish the season the trajectory of Cliff Kingsbury's coaching career, season after season after season, with great starts and face plants in the second half, hmm. and that embarrassment last night. I wonder whether there might be a ninth opening sometime
0: soon. Well, let's look at it from this perspective, right? Uh, if he's retained, he's entering the last year of his deal in 2022. No contract has been offered yet. Uh, you go back to the Oklahoma job, right? When Lincoln Riley left Oklahoma for USC, Uh, The reports came out that Kingsbury was linked to the Sooners job. Nothing came out of that, right? No leverage play, nothing like that. The thing is, when you look at this game yesterday with being the standalone primetime game manager with what happened and they got embarrassed, face-planted the whole nine, Kingsbury and Kyler Murray are tied together. When Kingsbury was hired by the Cardinals, he went to bat to bring in Kyler Murray to be the quarterback for this franchise. So you have to think in this way that the way that Murray's played and you look at his stats from October thirty-one. When they lost to the Packers on Thursday Night Football to present day, they were terrible. This team played terrible. This team invested a lot here. There was a lot of pressure on this team because you brought in you brought in JJ Watt, AJ Green, and other names onto this roster, Rodney Hudson included, to make it a contender, and they flamed out. They had a, they had a ten and two record, a two game lead on the NFC West rivals, and finished in fourth place or fifth place, whatever it was at the end of the day. So I think now moving forward, if you're Michael Bidwell, if you're Steve Kime, if you're Bidwell first, are you going to allow Steve Kahn another chance to hire another coach? Because they went all in here, Andrew, and it's a complete disaster. And Cliff Kingsbury is 24-24-1. I'm not too sure that's convincing after three years when you have guys like Brian Flores who did a much better job in Miami but couldn't hold on to the job. It's a microwave league now. So long as that five-year plan, it's a microwave league. If you can't do it in two years, you might be on the outside looking in. I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. Um, uh, okay, a couple more things
1: from the weekend. The Cowboys, the <laughs> Cowboys, uh, listen, Stephen A. Smith on Twitter, Instagram first take yesterday did his annual victory lap afterwards. But, uh, I got to tell you, I mean, we were betting the games. We were talking about it afterwards. I'm like, I could not wait to bet against Mike McCarthy in the playoffs. I'm so speaking of head coaches. I mean, oh, listen, what did you make about the the performance of Dallas 14 penalties um, the ridiculous schmozzle to end the football game, and um, Jerry Jones has some big decisions as well going
0: forward coming out of that uh, disaster. Well, let's, let's break it down here. There were six and one to start off the year. They went six and five the rest of the year. It, you, you're not a playoff team if you go six and five. In a garbage
1: and, division, by the way. I mean, it, when they played the
0: AFC West, <laughs> they finished up one and three. Exactly. They, 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 they played in a soil division, and they couldn't do anything. And, and look at it this way, though, Andrew. When you look at Zeke Elliott, I know he had he had the knee injury wasn't healthy. He only carried the ball 20 times in two games the entire year. And then those two games he ran for over 240 yards. In the other games he ran for 50 yards or less I think 6 or 7 times. So the the Mike McCarthy ratio of Kellen Moore included is heavier on the pass than on the run. And they just abandoned the running game. And they didn't believe in Pollard and in Elliott to be what they were. But in that game on Sunday, it, it pretty much summarizes that dysfunction, that of the 15 penalties, right? You think about Randy Gregory. He took the holding call on the old lineman when it should have been a punt situation, gave him a first down, right? The first play of the game, he took a, he took an offside call. A lack of discipline on this team has cost this Cowboy franchise. And you think about it now moving forward here. They're $13 million over the salary cap. You can't cut Zeke Elliott because you can take a $25 million hit on his salary alone. So he's guaranteed to come back next year. For Jerry Jones, the likelihood is that Dan Quinn probably goes to the Broncos or somewhere else in the NFL because he's a hot name candidate. The key is this, Kellen Moore. If Kellen Moore gets a serious look, Will Jared Jones pull a rank again and try to keep more in the fold like he did with Jason Garrett back in 08 when Baltimore and the Falcons were looking at him and give him a high-dollar high, a high dollar deal? Because if he, does, if he does that, then Mike McCarthy's a lame duck pretty much until further notice, and I think Calmore would be that guy for them. So there's a lot of moving parts in Cowboy land right now, but they have probably one more year with this core group in place here to make another run. If they don't, then I think it explodes and they do a rebuild from whatever they have left over.
1: Mo, what uh, what was a more offensive, impressive offensive performance? Josh Allen with the Bills scoring a touchdown every time they got the football, or uh, Patrick Mahomes throwing five touchdowns in 10 and a half minutes of play. Uh, and of course, this all leads to the main event on the weekend, uh, the game that I think everyone's waiting to see, Bills, Chiefs, Arrowhead, primetime Sunday night for a trip to the AFC Championship
0: game. It has to be the Mahomes thing, because five TDs in 11 minutes is like, Golden State Warriors basketball, right? They they can be down 40 points, right, they beat you by 50 in span of like eight minutes, right? It's a blink of an eye type of thing here. And I think the way that the Chiefs were, and look, they have question marks, Andrew. I still think their O-line's a bit of a problem going towards this game against the Buffalo Bills, but if that defense can play well, if that defense can contain Josh Allen and keep him as a pocket passer, they have a punchy chance to pull off their victory at home in in KC at Arrowhead on Sunday night. What I'm intrigued, though, for the Buffalo Bills is that did they show too much on Saturday with the trick plays that they that they had at the goal line and what they did? Because you know sometimes, Andrew, we talk about teams, you know, one week they can drop 45 points and then only score eight points the following week. So where does Brian Dable go about with his philosophy? Because you go back to September when the Buffalo Bills beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead, right, the scene of the crime, can the Chief, can the Bills duplicate that performance and have a clean game from Josh Allen? And more importantly, though, the running attack. How will that be a factor On the road on a sunday night in arrowhead and trying to quiet or soften up that front seven of the chiefs let me ask
1: you this mo um the two one seeds uh, there are only two teams that got to buy this year because the uh the steelers and the eagles were invited to the party we can (laughs) debate the validity of that at another time um who do you think has a bigger challenge at home to get to the championship game tennessee hosting the upstart cincinnati bengals or the Green Bay Packers taking on the San Francisco 49ers who can run the football as well as any team in the National Football League. And um, that certainly will be the goal going into Lambeau.
0: Okay, so there's moving parts in this whole process, right? For the, for the Tennessee Titans, the health of Derrick Henry, will he play on, on Saturday afternoon? And for the Bengals, talk about them. They're banged up. Their front four is banged up. They're they are missing two guys. Ogunjobi's not going to play. And I believe one more guy's not going to play as well. So they got to rely on DJ Reader to be the anchor of that O-line or that run defense to stop the O-line of the Titans. I think the Green Bay Packers, they have everything aligned for them, Andrew. Right, The Stars are aligned for them to go to L.A. and play in the Super Bowl in a month's time here. But well, I'm curious to know the return of health of certain guys, David Bakhtiari, Jair Alexander, uh, Zadarius Smith, These are guys that are are foundation pieces of this Packer franchise. So what type of football shape will they be in? Well, on the flip side, we look at the San Francisco 49ers, the health of Fred Warner and Nick Bosa. We know those two guys are chief destroyers for their defense and how well they played. So how healthy will they be if they're allowed to play on the weekend? Because if they're going to play, I think that brings more problems or more concern or more uh, more of a leery thing here for the Packers and try to prep for them. So I think at the end of the day, I think the Packers have a trickier matchup. But I think the Tennessee Titans could be the team to watch out for because if Joe Burrow gets hot – they could definitely throw some touchdown bombs against that Titan defense. You mentioned Nick
1: Bosa. I I mean it would be devastating for Kyle Shanahan's squad if he wasn't able to come out of concussion protocol and play in that game on Sunday uh um or Saturday, I guess. Yeah. Um because I mean he is such a game changer and you know and we saw what TJ Watt did, you know, you know putting the Steelers up 7-0. I mean, those sort of games, uh, plays in close games Can completely flip the script, Um, you know, can change wins, losses into wins. Um, And there are a few more impactful guys on the defensive line than um, Bosa when he's terrorizing QBs. If he's not out there, I mean, a a massive, massive benefit for Aaron Rodgers in particular.
0: Huge, because like when you think about the Cowboy game, Bosa missed the entire second half and the Niners were able to weather the storm. But now you're talking about a full four quarter game without your chief destroyer coming off the edge. If Bosa plays, I just look at Bakhtiari and where he has, because remember a year ago he he ripped up his knee and, and didn't play the entire year. And if Bosa is to play that matchup, I think I'd give the edge to Bosa because he can apply the pressure points against Bakhtiari and win those one-on-one battles. If you lose him, it puts more onus on the interior pass rush of the Niners to try and win it up the field and try and push A-Rod off his mark. So again, a lot of moving parts right now. I know the the spread right now is what two and a half, three points right now for the Packers. I think that will change as we get closer and closer to game time. It's up to six time. actually. It
1: was now five and was a half. It was five and a half. I saw the last couple days right. or so. It's up to six right now, and right. I think a lot of that has to do with the question marks of some exactly. of the players on it, the Niners side of the ball. That's
0: right, and, and that's why I think if those two guys play, I think that will come down a little bit more than before. So I just think right now it's going to be a game of chess or a game of of, of who's going to reveal what information. But let's not forget, for Aaron Rodgers, this is his moment now, Andrew, right? For all the, all the uh, crap that's been thrown at him about whether he's vaxxed or not and how he sees that whole process, this is his chance to point his milk fingers at the NFL world and his critics to say, I can win the big game with this core group and win my second Lombardi Trophy in my career. If he doesn't do it now, it just brings up more questions about this Packer team on whether or not they've wasted another year of Aaron Rodgers at his dominant peak right now as a quarterback in the NFL.
1: Hey, Brad Roy, thanks very much for the super chat, Brad. Or maybe it's Brad Roth, like Patrick Roth. We are speaking with Mo in Montreal right now. Uh, Brad, thank you very much for that. Very generous, and uh, we really do appreciate it. Um, All right, Mo, well, the Rams got over the hump. I I still can't believe the way they folded in the second half of the game against the Niners to finish up the season that got the Niners into the playoffs. Um, But are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers ripe for the picking? I know that sounds crazy, talking about Brady in the playoffs, but... When you think about all the weapons that uh, are either injured or walked off the field in bizarre fashion, um, this is not the same team that we saw at least offensively cruise to the Super Bowl championship last week. Um, what do you make of the rams Bucks matchup coming up on Sunday?
0: Yeah, I, I'm curious to know Tristan Wirfs, the tackle, and and Ryan Jensen, the center. How healthy will they be if they're going to play? That's two fifths of your old line. You think about it right now. They had a stat on the broadcast where I believe every player that's starting five played at least 97% or more of the snaps this year for the Buccaneers. That was the only position group that was healthy this year, uh, Andrew. So if they're going to be banged up, you think about who's coming off the edge, Bon Miller, Leonard Floyd, Aaron Donald up the middle. Uh, that is a tough, tough assignment for the O-line to protect Tom Brady because again, the biggest question for this Buccaneer team is this. Tom can't throw the ball more than 40, if not 50 times. He cannot do that. He, what, he did so well last year. And their run to the Lombardi was strong defense and a great running attack. So will Leonard Fournette be healthy enough to play in this game on Sunday? Because I think when you think about it right now, Gio Bernard and Fournette, if they're going to play, those are the two reasons why they could beat the Rams at home. Because, again, you cannot have Tom Brady throwing the ball 40 times because you saw early in that game against Philadelphia – He does not have the same rapport with that receiving core as he once did with Godwin, with the healthy Mike Evans, and of course Antonio Brown not being there anymore. Oh my God!
1: Quote of the day in the chat room from Christopher Met: Rogers will be playing tennis with Djokovic by Tuesday. (laughs) Yeah, where in Serbia? (laughs) Well, maybe he'll have time to go and do that. What what a bizarre saga that was, huh? I mean, with,
0: with no act. Yet.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, he goes all the way over there. He's in the refugee hotel for a bit. He's back and forth and then uh, ends up getting sent home. I, it really is stunning. And it will be one of the top sports stories, sports slash news stories of the year uh, because of all the political ramifications of everything else that we're dealing with right now. But uh, what a bizarre way for the Aussie Open to get going before a serve was even placed in the tourney.
0: Well, I think for Novak, whether or not he falsified the documents, I mean, that's on him. And, and he should have known the rules about, hey, this is what's required for you to come play the sport of tennis in Australia, which has been a lot more stricter than other countries when it comes to C-19 protocols, Andrew. And now you wonder, because the next major open is the French in May. And apparently now the French government is going to put in more uh, rules in place for those who are going to play sports that you must abide by these rules so who knows maybe novak Djokovic will not have a chance to play in the clay courts of roland garros in may if they do have a stricter protocol going towards the springtime
1: hey uh, mo Khan's with us from tsn 690 hey mo before we uh, run out um what did you think about uh what kyle walters is doing here in winnipeg uh, jackson jeffcoat back willie jefferson back the old line for the most part back, although, you know, a few guys getting NFL opportunities and justifiably. So still waiting on that uh, ink of Zach Caleros on a contract, but uh, um, people around here are pretty excited and they probably should be considering what this team has accomplished over winning the last two great cups. And
0: certainly seems like Winnipeg going to try to get the band back together and do it for a third time. And also guys like Jesse Briggs, right? Role players that, that had a role for this team the last four or five years of importance. I think, what Kyle's done, and to keep his core group, right, the, the decision makers in place before they left for CFL teams, was huge for them. And you have to think now, right, to to run it back twice has been incredible in the three-year window of COVID nineteen. So they do it three times in a row, I think the key for them will be how they draft in, in the CFL draft in May. And more importantly, though, making sure that they keep their health intact. If they're healthy going towards week one and towards the season here, uh, they definitely are the favorites to win the Great Cup again. But again, Andrew, we've seen in the CFL how tough it is to win it three years in a row. The Allen West were the last team to go back-to-back before Winnipeg did. That 2011 year, they had a lot of injuries that hurt them and couldn't go back to the Great Cup, which BC won against the Bombers in 2011.
1: Anything happening with the Owls these days? I mean, uh, certainly we've been sort of paying attention to a lot of things that have been happening out West. Dane Evans signed uh, his extension uh, going forward. So
0: um, what uh, what's going on out East? I, I, would, I've made, I made this point before on air. Watch out for Kahari Jones and where he's at, because he's going to year three as the Alouette's head coach. They've had two one-and-dones in the playoffs. Dan Machocha did not hire Kahari Jones. Uh, he lost Robert Gordon, who left the team as one of his closest confidants uh, of late, and they brought in Jeff Reinbold. They they changed the whole diagram of what they have from a staff perspective, and now they bring back Vernon Adams Jr. Will they bring in the second quarterback to challenge him at training camp? It'd be quite fascinating to see for Kyrie Jones because this is a make or break year, I think, for him. And if they go off to a bad start, I think Dan Dan Michocha might pull the trigger and get rid of him because if they go another year where they go say ten and eight or whatever they might be nine and nine and do another one and done. Uh, Gary Stern, this owner of this organization who has been very vocal on social media and throughout his time in Montreal as the owner of the Alouettes, will not tolerate another year of no great cup or great cup championship. So this is a big year for Kari Jones going into this season, uh, Drew. If he doesn't do well or is mediocre or average, whatever term you want to use – I can't see him getting a fourth year as the head coach in 2023.
1: Hey, Mo, just before we go, you have become somewhat of a fashion icon on this program. Often it has been you and Brandon Rawicki that are often compared to as having the best hair that ever comes onto <laughs> Winnipeg Sports Talk. <laughs> but the but this toque that you're wearing right now, yeah. the Canada soccer toque, everyone wants to know where is that an online purchase? Where can people get it? And uh, I guess they want them to get it in time for that big game against the States at the end of the month.
0: Uh, It should be available uh, 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 on the Canadian Soccer Association website. Uh, This is the Nike version of it. So it should be available. I would imagine so. If not, then sports retail stores uh, should have it in stock as we get ready for the big game in Hamilton at the end of the month.
1: Dude, you're the best. Thanks for doing this. Uh, Be well. uh, Get back out and shovel all that snow you guys have out east. (laughs) And it never happens around here, by the way. And uh, enjoy yourself. We'll do it soon. It should be a great weekend of football as well.
0: Yes, sir. Be safe. We only got 17 centimeters yesterday, so it was nothing to less in Montreal, my
1: friend. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff, pal. Thanks for doing this. Care, There's pal. my guy, Mocon, at Mocon19. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter. Make sure you do. And check out his work coming up on um, at TSN 690. All right, really looking forward to our next segment. Going to be bringing in the head coach of the Manitoba Moose, Mark Morrison. Uh, before we do that, a big shout out and cheers to our friends at Little Brown Jug. Uh, of course, the tap room back open today. Um, but for those of you that aren't leaving, Take advantage of Little Brown Jug's home delivery service. All you need to do is go online to littlebrownjug.ca, select maybe the 1919, maybe the anniversary brewed IPA, get a couple of the winter variety packs, check out some of the merchandise they've got available as well, and they'll get it fast and easy to you in the city with delivery anywhere within the city of winnipeg and uh, better yet pop down and see him at the tap room on william avenue enjoy a pint or two great spot to meet with friends and enjoy winnipeg's finest craft beer over at little brown jug william avenue and again online at littlebrownjug.ca jets are back tonight we got a six o'clock game plenty of time to meet your gang down at a Boston pizza, have a couple ice cold schooners, a gourmet pizza, some delicious Boston wings, and hopefully see the Jets get a big two points to kick off this road trip tonight in DC. If you're staying home, the weather's keeping you inside, call your local Boston pizza or hit them up online at bostonpizza.com for all their game day meals and specials and your ability to order online. And of course, a big shout out to our friends at the nick and nicky dq group four locations in winnipeg and southern manitoba dq niverville dq northgate dq polo park and dq saint anne's featuring buffalo chicken fingers right now my personal favorite the ultimate grill burger been on my trading table for years as you can see uh, and, of course, those amazing blizzards, novelties, and more. And if you do want to get a DQ ice cream cake from Nick and Nicky for an upcoming party or an event, just hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. They'll get it ready for you. Quick and easy to pick up at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQ um, locations. All right. This is going to be awesome. We've spent a lot of time talking with our boy Dan Fink about the great play of the Manitoba Moose so far. And we're getting a chance to see many of these young Moose players get a shot with the winnipeg jets as of late due to a number of reasons let's welcome in the bench boss of the manitoba moose who are enjoying a great season so far amidst a lot of adversity mark morrison mark thanks so much for doing this it's great to have you on the program
4: yeah glad to be here
1: hey first things first congratulations on a heck of a road trip um and that was just no normal road trip for a team i mean not how are things working? We kind of joked that it would be like Timbits in the morning skates where everyone would be having their name on their on their helmet with the amount of uh, turnover. Um, well, what's this last few weeks been like for you behind a bench of a team that has seen so many players be up, down, on the COVID list? It's been a bizarre time.
4: Yeah, it, it certainly has. It's been uh, changes every day. Uh, I, I think that the big thing is that we've had a, our staff has done a real good job from management down uh, finding new players to insert into the lineup and uh, the coaches making sure everybody's up to speed with the systems. And there's new lines. The players have adjusted well to new lines every day, new lines uh, at, at pregame skates even. So uh, it, it's been uh, a lot of change, but uh, everybody's put the time in and handled it well. And I think the big thing that it, it's done is it's uh the, the team has responded to uh, playing for each other, uh, knowing that, you know, the backs are up against the wall a little bit and uh, they play for each other.
1: Mark, I mean, overall, I mean, um, just this season, I mean, certainly where the team is in the standings is going well. But, um, I mean, you've been in this business for a long time. I mean, uh, coached in a lot of places. I mean, have you ever gone through the uh, bizarre nature of this season with games being played with fans, without fans? Um, and then, of course, the addition mid-season of the Taxi Squad, which has affected your club and AHL clubs uh, more than anyone.
4: Yeah, no, I, I've never been through anything like it, and uh, you know, I don't think, I don't think the rest of the staff has. But we, as I said earlier, like we are adjusting to it, and it's starting to become the norm almost. It's been going on for so long. But there was one, uh, there was one game at the beginning of this trip. Uh, I, I can't say if it was in Texas or Milwaukee, but we had. We were missing 10 of our players that we had before Christmas. So uh, that's a big roster changeover. But as I said, it's been uh, plug and play all over the place, and they've done a really good job responding. And uh, as I said, I, I can't say enough about the staff because they've done a great job, uh, you know, making these players uh, aware of the systems and and uh, spending lots of time with them.
1: Uh, Mark, you know, I want to ask you about some of the players on the roster as well as some of the guys that have been called up right now. But from a coaching perspective, um, I I, I do want to ask you, if Paul Maurice steps away in mid-December, we know the connections between the Winnipeg Jets and the Manitoba Moose and how systems and everything work. I've got to ask you: Does that change at all your job, or um, you know, do you have do you meet with Dave Lowry and start, you know, kind of focusing on different things at all, or um, is it pretty much business as usual regardless of uh, what had happened on the seventeenth of December with the Jets?
4: Uh, it's you know, I we Dave and I do speak and to make sure that we're on the same page with the systems, but I mean. If we get a guy called up, we want him to be able to know what the systems are, are playing. So if Dave makes some changes to uh, what's going on there, then he, he lets me know and we, we work it down here. But uh, there hasn't been a whole lot of change. Uh, we do talk about players that uh, are playing well here and, uh, you know, some of their tendencies. And it, I've known Dave for a few years. So uh, for for me, uh, the conversations are, are easy and, uh, yeah, it's, a, it's an easy uh, thing.
1: Moose head coach Mark Morrison with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Let's talk about a few of the guys that have been with the Manitoba Moose that, uh, you know, are getting a shot at the National Hockey League. And, uh, you know, I think Cole Perfetti is right at the top of the list. He's going to get another chance to play with Kyle Connor and Pierre-Luc Dubois. Pretty nice opportunity for a young player with that sort of offensive pedigree, Um, but played a lot with the Moose earlier this year. Um, tell us a little bit about what you've seen in Cole's game, really from the first Moose game of the season and how he's continued to develop as a young player with such tantalizing p- potential at the, uh, at the NHL level.
4: Yeah. And Cole sees the ice really well. I mean, that's his gift is that he sees the ice and, and he can make plays. Uh, you know, he can spot guys and find guys coming late. And, uh, he's a, he's a great playmaker. And, and so I, I think the big thing that I, that he's worked on is, puck protection and uh, picking up his pace a little bit through the neutral zone to buy him time to make those plays. But um, he gets better and better all the time. It was uh, so it's nice to see him getting getting the opportunity and uh, he deserves it. And, uh, you know, I, I think he's in the right situation there because he can make plays with high skilled players.
1: Well, and of course he got an opportunity that wouldn't have normally been there to play in the American hockey league last season because of the COVID situation. And, you know, began the season with the Manitoba moose for, for, for a player, uh, you know, of his size of his skill set, what are the things that a Cole perfetti benefits the most from seasoning at the American hockey league level in your mind, Mark?
4: It, for me, it's, a, that's an easy one. It's, it's just strength and, and speed. So uh, you know, he needs to move his feet and pick up that speed, that quickness so that he separates himself from some of the stronger players that would be in the American League that uh, than junior. So uh, that's a huge benefit playing against bigger, stronger guys and quicker guys uh, because it forces him to, uh, to protect the puck and find ways to protect that puck. And usually that's just by quickness, quick feet, quick stride. You
1: know, uh, staying up front, um, we got a chance to see for the first time in a jet jersey, Austin Paganski uh, earlier uh, last week against Detroit. He's going to be back into the lineup as well. I'm a former UND player, played a few games in the National Hockey League. Uh, what did you see from him and how impactful was he as a Manitoba Moose during the first half of the season?
4: Well, he's been really good for us. I mean, he uh, his game doesn't change like he's very consistent. Um, you know, he's up and down his wing, he can shoot the puck, he can make plays, he plays heavy down low in the corners, he can protect puck and come up with the pucks uh, against bigger men, so he's a strong uh, kind of a power forward that plays real good below the goal line and in the corners in the offensive zone, and he's responsible, and I I thought his last game that he played there uh, with the Jets showed that uh, he was very responsible, and I thought he looked good. Well,
1: uh, Mark, we got to get to the blue line. Dylan Sandberg's going to get another chance to play in the National Hockey League tonight. We've seen Vili Hainala being up and down. Um, Johnny Savage was a guy I think many of us thought might get the call. He, of course, was on the COVID list. And then you have Declan Chisholm come in and play like a veteran. And I haven't even mentioned Leon Gavanka, who leads your team in scoring right now. Um, this is a pretty incredibly talented young blue line you have right now, depending on who's available to you and who's in the lineup on a given night.
4: Yeah, that's true. They're not always here, but uh when they are it's uh, it's special. They uh they're very mobile and they have a lot of agility and offensively uh they do a lot of really good things. Uh, you know, like in the offensive zone they can get psyched in the pocket part of the part of the offense and you know, it's not uncommon to see uh Gwonky and Chisholm both down uh, in front of the offensive zone's net. So they uh Yeah, they're they're fast, they're puck movers, uh, and they're agile. So they are the the backbone and the strength to the Moose when they're all here. You know, It's it's a special group for sure that's been put together there.
1: You know, I I want to ask you about Chisholm because, of course, he got into that game and then was returned to the Moose back with the club. I mean, um, what was it like for him to get that opportunity? And uh, what's the reception for a player like Declan when he does come back in the middle of a road trip, rejoin the team for a game after making an NHL debut?
4: Well, the reception was, was, was really good. I mean, that's the group of, of players that we have here. They cheer each other on and uh, they were glad to see him here and they were glad that he got a shot. Um, you know, I had a little bit of time to talk to him uh, when he arrived at the hotel and uh, he just said he had a whole lot of fun and uh, he tried to play the same way as he plays in the American league. Uh, he looked confident to me and uh, he's got a great head on his shoulders and um, yeah, I think he handled everything uh, really well, but he uh, was super excited uh, to get that opportunity and um, I think he, you know, I, I think he feels good about himself because of the way he played and and, and that's a bonus, you know, and he will, uh, that, that'll help him in his development.
1: Speaking of reception, Doug, Christian Reichel hasn't come back to the Manitoba Moose since getting the call up, but I mean, I think we all remember that scene. Um, You guys were playing at the Canada Life Center in the afternoon while the Jets were playing in Vegas, and they showed the highlight of Reichel's first NHL goal. And I'm not sure who the player was, but you could see how excited the guys were. Someone's throwing their arms up in the air. You remember that? And maybe talk a little bit about Reichel, because this is a very different path to the NHL. He's got a pedigree, was an undrafted player, signed a tryout contract a few years ago, and has worked his way through the organization to getting an NHL shot.
4: Yeah. uh, First of all, uh, they, as I said earlier, they, they're, they, they wish the best for each other. I I mean, you know, you kind of want the internal competition at times, but uh, they, once those decisions have been made and a player goes, they want the best for each other. And uh, it's a special group like that in the dressing room. So that was nice to see how excited they were when, uh, when Rikes got his first goal there, but uh, his route, um, you know, I haven't been here for his whole route, but I, I do know this, that, uh, since I've been here, uh, he, he does everything right. Like he prepares himself for practices, right. He prepares himself for games, right. He does all the little things in practice. He looks after the details in the game. Like he's a, yeah, he, he really works hard at it and nothing passes him by. So he has earned everything that, uh, that he has gotten. Like it didn't come easy for him. So it's really nice to see a guy that's, uh, work that hard and, and has done all the right things to get rewarded. And, uh, you know, he, he, he is the definition of
1: that. Moose head coach, Mark Morrison with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Back to the blue line. We mentioned Sandberg's going to get another crack at the NHL lineup tonight. Billy Hanala seems to be waiting his turn. Those two players in particular, Mark, I know they played big minutes for you. What have you seen from them uh, as well as just, you know, how they've progressed over the course of this season, um, leading to uh, these opportunities right now with the Jets?
4: Well, Sa- Sammy was, uh, Sandberg was injured uh, early on, so uh, it took, you know, when he got back, he'd already missed the first month of the season or six weeks, so he had to get himself up to speed, and th- and that's hard to do when you're, you're coming back and everyone's full on, and uh, he's trying to catch up, but he did a good job working at it and working at it, and, uh, you know, he he changed things for our team a little bit. He, he brought some physical presence, which we, we had a lot of puck movers and a lot of, agility and offensive zone, uh, defenseman, but, uh, he, he had a little bit of a different, uh, look to him. Uh, you know, looks after the front of the net boxes out, uh, block shots, plays strong in the corners, uh, strong on pucks in his own zone. Uh, so he, he brought that element, which, uh, you know, we have a little bit of it in Kovacevic, uh, but, uh, it, he, he brought the, the physical part of it to, uh, to our game. Um, and he and he can also jump in the play, and he can also, uh, you know, make a play off the blue line. It's, that's uh, he brings a little bit of everything. But I, I, his shutdown defenseman is it more his role? Uh, Billy, uh, you know, we all know Billy can bring offense. Uh, makes great plays, reads the rush, uh, to jump into the rush offensively, and uh, yeah, uh, he he's got a special knack of making plays offensively. Uh, Billy's game. Uh, you know that the work that he has to put in is is only in his own end, his D zone, um, and he does so. The improvement there has been uh, has been real good, and uh, he continues to work at that. But uh, he's a, a great puck moving uh, defenseman that can jump into the rush and uh, has excellent offensive uh, skills.
1: Mark Morrison, Uh, Mark, I mean, with the addition of the taxi squad, it's taxed uh, everywhere, probably nowhere bigger than the goaltending position. Mikhail Burden's going to be backing up Connor Hellebuck tonight. We've seen Arvid Holm be on the the taxi squad with Eric Comrie on the list. And then Eric, Evan Cormier shows up in Manitoba. Uh, All he does is put up a 927 save percentage, wins a bunch of games for you. Um, this is another great story about some of the opportunities that have come up. I mean, uh, tell us about your goaltender and how important he's been um, as you guys continue winning games through uh, the revolving door that's been the Moose dressing room for the past number of weeks.
4: Yeah, you know, that's, uh, again, that's been a great job by uh, management to uh, to bring a goalie in uh, that's played that well for us. He, he's done a great job. Uh, you know, he, uh, the one thing is that COVID has done is it's created all these opportunities for players to, to step up. And, you know, we've had those conversations and it's been throughout our lineup where it's a fourth line center, move into a second line center position. And and that's the thing that they've all done throughout the lineup is they've all taken their opportunities and they've ran with them. And Evan uh, Cormier has done the same thing. I mean, you know, he's, he's, come in and he's taken his opportunity to be able to uh to play for us and he he forced us to keep playing and we couldn't take him out of the net uh he played that well and he's a competitor and uh he knew that he was had a good opportunity here with a, a pretty good hockey team in front of him and uh he's ran with it and uh you know he's gonna he's gonna get the start here again tomorrow and uh we look for him to do much of the same
1: Well, you mentioned tomorrow finishing up a road trip where, uh, what, you're 4-0-1, nine points of a possible ten games so far, big game with Iowa, and then coming back home. I mean, uh, just from a coaching perspective, kind of finishing up where we started, um, is is this just a day-to-day process for you right now, seeing who's available, who's there, and uh, how good it'll be to come back home, especially after such a, a successful road trip, dealing with everything that's been thrown at you and your squad?
4: Yeah, uh, that's funny you say that. It's Craig Heisinger's words to me all the time. I try to kind of run away with it and say, well, who are we going to have next week or who are we going to have next weekend? He's always "Hey, whoa, it's day to day because it's <laughs> going to change again. So he's the one that keeps saying day to day to me. But, uh, you know, our road trip's not over for us. Uh, we want to make sure we concentrate on this game tomorrow, uh, try to play the same way that, that we've been playing. And then It'll be nice to get home you know it's been uh, close to two weeks I think this trip and um, it'll be nice to get home and for some guys to get some get in their own beds and uh, but we have Chicago coming right away for a back to back on the weekend and then we get some time to to settle down but uh, it's not it's, it's not over yet. We want to make sure that we, we can grab something out of here uh, tomorrow and uh, that would be uh, uh, we couldn't have expected much more from a road trip than that.
1: Well, Mark, listen, I really appreciate you joining us. Uh, it's just been awesome to see what this team is doing right now, a night in and a night out. And, of course, very exciting for fans of the Jets to see, uh, you know, the young players that are getting ready for their opportunity to move up to the next level, which is what the American Hockey League is all about. Best of luck tomorrow, continued success, and uh, hopefully you guys can have a nice, safe trip with the big, happy group after another win and uh, then get back for some home cooking here in the peg.
4: Yeah, thank you very much for having me. It's good. <laughs>
1: Appreciate it, Mark. There it is, uh, Moose head coach, Mark Morrison. As we mentioned, uh, unfortunately, no fans right now, at least for the next couple weeks. But the Moose are back Saturday and Sunday, the next two weekends with 2 o'clock starts. Chicago coming in this weekend, and then uh, a week off, bit of a college-type schedule. And then Abbotsford in on the 29th and the 30th. Um, And then, you know, next scheduled games, I guess, potentially with fans, depending on what happens on the 1st of February will be the fourth and the fifth with Texas at Manitoba. But, um, I mean, just unbelievable. This team's continued to win the way that they have. um, As you mentioned at one point with 10 players out of the lineup from uh, the way they started in this. Evan Cormier, I mean, you know, with the goaltending issues the Jets have had, um, you know, his story has been, you know, one of the real, real positive things about, um, you know, unfortunately a trying time for so many people dealing with the virus and with COVID-19. All right. Uh, we're going to get to, uh, apparently, we've got some fireworks in, in Edmonton with a media address coming up in a minute. Um, of course, I want to give a big shout-out to our friends over at Canadian Club. Big marble race coming up on Friday, folks. We finish it up. If you haven't normally seen it, make sure to join us on YouTube after 2.30. We uh, get everyone that's with us in the chat, firing in the marbles, and uh, the winner will come up with a uh, great co-branded Winnipeg Sports Talk hoodie. Co-branded with our friends over at Canadian Club, Dan Jets fan was the big winner on Friday. He just picked his up yesterday. Congratulations to Dan for his Canadian Club official sponsor of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and the official spirit of us here at Winnipeg Sports Talk. You can pick up Canadian Club, Jim Beam, Brugal, Rum, and all the Beam Sundory family of products at your local. Manitoba Liquor Marts. We will get to Cool Bet Lines coming up before the end of the program. Let's get Michael Remus back in here after a uh, very busy but very fun program so far. Great to have the drip master, Ted Wyman, join us. Mo Khan, one of my favorite guys to chat about. And uh, man, it was great to have Mike or Mark Morrison join us, especially from the road, Remo, as uh, the Moose have been just such a great story and just continue stacking up points regardless of who's wearing the jersey on a given night. Yeah, big shout out to Dan
2: Fink for uh setting that one up with Thanks, Mark. Dan. Yeah, great to chat with him and we're definitely keeping an eye on the Moose uh as they go and you know, we as you said, we're seeing a lot of players who've made an impact with the Moose uh here with the Jets. So um you know, in this strange season, I mean, you I mean, you look at the Jets roster, how many guys have uh have been on the Moose so far and so it's something to keep an eye on and they're having sustained success even with all the changes, as you said. So uh, what an incredible job that Mark's doing now with the Moose and the AHL.
1: Yes, by the way, speaking of this, the thumbs up, do us a favor, hit that thumbs up button right there at the bottom of the YouTube screen if you're with us live on YouTube. And for folks that are new, great to have you with us. We're here every every weekday, beginning at 1 o'clock, live on YouTube. Uh, You can always subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts at Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, usually ready for about 3.30 each and every day. Um, but while you're here, make sure you hit that red subscribe button. Uh, it certainly helps us spread the channel as we uh, continue to grow Winnipeg Sports Talk. All right, Remo, fill me in on this Leon okay. Dreisaitl, Jim Matheson fiasco that I see everyone talking about in yeah, chat.
2: This is going posted an hour ago on the Tim and Friends Twitter account. It's now at 225,000 views. Everyone's talking about it. So, Leon Draisaitl talking to the media in Edmonton, and uh, I'm just gonna play it. It got yeah.
1: Please play it. Make sure I can hear it.
2: Yeah. Oh, you'll be able to hear it. It it got um you know is what you would expect media of you know the player being agitated. Here, I don't need to talk anymore. <laughs> just play the damn thing.
0: Lots of reasons for why the owners are playing the way they are in terms of winning and losing. What do you think is the number
3: one reason for the losses now? Is there, is there one thing that you're in your own mind you're saying, we gotta get better at that?
1: Yeah, we, ha- we have to get better at everything. Would you like to expand on that? Nope.
4: You can do that. You know everything. Why are you so pissy, Leon? Hmm? Why are you so pissy? I'm not, I'm just I, answering your question. Yeah, qu- you are, whenever I ask you a question. I gave you an answer. Not very good one. Okay. I have one more for you. Leon, you show your frustration on the ice
3: last game against Ottawa. Is that a good thing when you show it so
0: the other team knows you're frustrated? Yeah, it's a great thing for sure.
4: Good.
1: <laughs> oh, real love in there in Edmonton going on right now. Oh, my God. What a mess. Oh uh, uh, what, what a mess. And and listen, Matty, um, you know, he's been around for a long time. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I can't remember an NHL player ever being asked why they're so pissy.
2: <laughs> I haven't heard that uh, used in a while. Uh, pissy. But, I mean, he said I need to get better at everything. I guess you want a, them to expand more. And, you know, they're probably not going to do that. So. I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't, I think people. I see people in chat pointing fingers on Drysdale and McDavid. I mean, they're leading. They're among league leaders in points. I mean, they can can only do so much. I mean, it's pretty clear they don't have goaltending, defense, or depth. I don't. I wouldn't put the blame on well, those guys. That being said, that yeah.
1: being said, right now, I mean, you look at that game against Ottawa on Saturday, and I think the stench of that game is sort of hanging over everything that the Oilers are doing right now mm-hmm. off the ice as they get ready for oh, the Florida Panthers on Thursday um is the fact that they ended up scoring four goals uh but those guys weren't and i mean we mentioned yesterday mcdavid finished uh zeros and a minus two and um i mean you just sort of assume those guys are going to score even if things are going in your own net those guys um you know fair or foul make the most money they're the top players on the team and they do have a lot of pressure on it but um they're not getting a lot of help certainly the goaltending situation's a disaster, and. I mean that's the thing. What's Drysaitl supposed to say? Ah, uh, yeah, we could just if we just had a guy that could mix in a save every now and then, we'd probably be better than we are right now. Um, but it's obvious that it's more than goaltending. Um, you know, I, I mentioned to you. I think when Dusty came on uh, with us yesterday, they're doing the draft of the big, the thirty years, the biggest mistakes the Oilers have made over the past uh, over the past thirty years tomorrow morning on the program. And uh, I got to tell you, there's uh, plenty. Plenty to consider right now. And um, you know what? Hey, Jets are right now a bubble team. Um, and the Oilers aren't that far back of them after that amazing start that they've had right now. Um, but you certainly do feel like things here in Winnipeg, you know, with what's going on with Dave Lowry, the results they've had, albeit limited since the coaching change, where things are sort of going in the right direction. Um, we kind of how many times this year, Remus, have we thought that the Oilers have hit rock bottom and then it just gets worse?
2: just seems like they've been going on a uh, graph like straight down for the last while. And I know a lot of it seems like a lot of the fans there are like praying for some kind of change, do something, but they keep just rolling out the same roster. And I had a great laugh. At, I mean, let's tune in the post game show on Saturday. And Tom was like, well, we're just going to say what we've said for the last like 10 games here. And uh, it's incredible to me. I mean, how far this team has fallen, but. I mean, when you looked at their defense going in you had some questions about um you know bringing in Duncan Keith for his full salary and Cody Cece as well uh, you know trading you know the one one of the good defensemen they had was Ethan Bear they traded him away for uh, for Fogel but i mean and i didn't see that going this you know going down this far you know continuously but it's seemingly not getting easier with Florida coming up but I thought maybe they should have you know, made a change just because you can't keep... They just keep going with the same thing over and over, and it's just going each day is a new rock bottom. So uh, I think it's tough here, tough here for Edmonton. I don't know,
1: yeah, I don't know Ken what Holland, you do. Lots of talk about Ken Holland's spot running the club, um, but he's uh, he signed. they got him to come in as the highest paid GM in the league five-year deal yeah five million dollars a year i mean daryl cates would be eating an eight-figure check if they move away from him right now um and maybe that's part of the reason that you know i mean i think an admittance of failure would be to can dave Tippett right now mm -hmm. after a miserable six weeks um but again i think they do look at this team and go man this is the best team in the west for the first month and a half of the season how the hell is this happening right now
2: yeah, they were so, they were so good, and I kept playing uh, Dry Settle McDavid on DraftKings, and they kept scoring <laughs> goals, and I was winning money. It was great, and then uh, it seems like it's dried up. And it's funny you see I've seen tweet threads about like Ken Holland's moves over the last ten years, and uh, that guy does not have a good, good, very good track record. Um, you know, it's funny they would go on long losing streaks here, and we would think, okay, what's it going to take to make a change? But uh, Paul Maurice. You know, he's stepped up and uh, said, you know what, I can't move this team forward anymore. I don't know if Oilers fans want uh, Dave Tippett to come to the same realization or not, but I mean, what? I mean, I I don't know. I mean, you bring in a goalie, do, do something, but it seems like they're just trotting with the same lineup over and over again, and it's just not going well. So, look, we're all, I gotta be honest, like we're very entertained by it here, being in Winnipeg, rivals with the Oilers, seeing their misery. I do feel bad for, I mean, honor mcdavid i guess dry said as well i mean the two best players in the league and you can't well, and you put add a team the around fact, them
1: add in the fact that the olympics were canceled i mean even with everything going away i mean that was i think going to be a huge opportunity for mcdavid to sort of plant his flag as the you know the new sydney crosby i mean the new leader of canadian hockey mm-hmm. um that's not happening it must be very disappointed in bryce Eidel for his part i mean the uh I'm uh, probably arguably the best German that's ever played in this league. Um, you know, the opportunity to play so that I'm um, certainly from a mental side of things, probably tough to deal with. Um, but it's the losing and the losing just continues. And uh, man, um, well, we'll have some more on that tomorrow. I'm sure there'll be some fallout from what we just heard from Leon Dreisaitl and Jim Matheson.
2: They're not playing tonight. They're playing um... Thursday against Florida. So they don't play until they and in
1: Florida's playing Calgary. Um Tonight, so we're yeah, we'll get how... to that in just one second in the in the lines. I uh, just a couple notes uh willie O'Ree uh is getting his jersey retired tonight in Boston. That is great news for both the Bruins and the National Hockey League and last night in St Louis, home of Anheuser Bush, there was Chris Pronger having his number retired by the blues and sipping a bud light at the podium last night Remus uh. What an incredible player he was, and a big, big part of the St. Louis Blues for the years when he was there. Yes, reminds me of
2: uh, the days when he was on the cover of NHL 2000, uh, winning MVPs as well. I don't know if you saw the I saw the jerseys they wore last night, but they brought out those like '96, '97 uh, Gretzky ones with the diagonal, the, worst. With the diagonal elite jerseys. Do they have the
0: horns?
1: the 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 horns
2: on them as well? No, <laughs> no, not those. Remember ones. that one but uh here this is the the picture going on show it to chris creamer my favorite account sportslogos.net. Sportslogos.net.
1: dot net oh yeah. amazing
2: these check out these jerseys these are the ones they wore last night now this isn't last night this is from the 90s with uh i believe that's shanahan and uh curtis joseph yeah shanahan and these. top 10 all-time worst jersey those in the are uh, way better than um, let's see, better than the current Ducks jerseys, the <laughs> current Oilers jerseys. These are these are very very strong. These are very strong jerseys, I think. And um, we need more diagonal striping like this the in number, the NHL. Look at the
1: three. Look at the three on Cujo's yeah. jersey. That we is need, so ridiculous.
2: Do you had <laughs> they wore them last night in honor of Chris Pronger. Now he only wore those for a couple of years with the Blues. But anytime you can bring these out, yeah, with the horn shoulder patch. Great looking, great looking jerseys.
1: Well, you know what? and speaking of uh, last night's action, the Preds are actually back in it. But uh, the Blues did get a win on Pronger Jersey Retirement Night with the big five-three win over the Nashville Predators. This is a busy week for the Preds. Preds are back in action tonight at home against the Vancouver Canucks, and then, of course, we'll host the Jets in a big tilt for our squad second game of this road trip to, uh, mm. on Thursday. But of course, before we get to Thursday, we get to tonight and that's the jets and the Washington capitals. Um, you know, maybe Remo, let's just do a quick recap of how things are going to look tonight for sure. uh, the lines. Uh, for people that maybe joined us a little bit later on. Uh, We did spend probably a good, the first 40 minutes of the program talking about the latest on the Jets, got into it as well with Ted Wyman. If you joined us a little bit late, you can go back to the start of YouTube. But the way things are going to look tonight, Nikolai Ehlers is back on that top line, along with Shifley and Kopp, as uh, Stastny remains out for the time being. Paul Perfetti is going to get another opportunity to play with Pierre-Luc Dubois and Kyle Connor in the top six. Austin Paganski, after making his Jet debut last Thursday against Detroit, gets another opportunity riding shotgun with Adam Lowry and Jansen Harkins. And Christian Reichel's back. Dominic Toninato in the middle. Christian Veselinan on the uh, on the fourth line. And as far as defense goes, Dylan Sandberg stays in. No Brendan Dillon. He potentially could return um, later on in this road trip, maybe even on Thursday. But for tonight, against the uh, high-powered Washington Capitals, Sandberg plays his second NHL game along with Neil Pionk, Morrisine DeMello and Logan Stanley and Nate Schmidt. The other defensemen, Billy Hainal out there with the club right now available to go in, but he will not get the start tonight. Connor Hellebuck, of course will play goaltender for the Winnipeg Jets and wouldn't surprise me at all. As we talked about yesterday, if Connor actually runs the table and plays all the games this week. All right, let's get to the cool bet lines for tonight. Pretty busy night in the national hockey league. Uh, of course, Check out the Lock Shop if you haven't already. That's the podcast we do, kind of focusing on sports betting with Dustin Nielsen. If you look at my Twitter, at Hustlerama, we've got the video from the show we did earlier today. And, of course, you can always pick it up on all of your favorite podcast platforms. Just search the Lock Shop. Um, Busy night tonight in the National Hockey League. Bruins hosting the Hurricanes. As we mentioned, Willie O'Ree's number will be retired. The Bruins... A minus 133 favorite, although a tough opponent tonight in the Carolina Hurricanes. Canes getting plus 114. The Ottawa Senators, who are suddenly hot after wins in Alberta against the Flames and Oilers. They're back home hosting the Buffalo Sabres. Sens. When was the last time the Sens were a minus 222 favorite? Probably have to go back uh, like to Daniel Alfredson or something like that. Uh, Islanders, minus 139 road favorites against the struggling Philadelphia Flyers. And then we get to the Jets-Caps game. I have to admit, surprised maybe this line wasn't a little bit bigger in favor of the Capitals. Uh, Caps just a minus-122 favorite. Jets are getting plus money, uh, plus-104. Let's just click on the game and uh, see what we've got for some props tonight. Alex Ovechkin, (laughs) minus-111 to score. That shouldn't surprise anyone. Kyle Connor, plus-146. Nikolai Ehlers, plus-195. Dubois 220, Mark Shifley plus 225, Andrew Kopp plus 270 coming off that monster game he had back in his home state of Detroit. Uh, As far as player points go, um, wow, Kyle Connor minus one, minus 227 to get a point. Mark Shifley as well, more than minus 208 uh, under a point. Not that I would want to bet on any of those guys not scoring, because I certainly hope they do, but pretty big numbers. Plus 168, plus 154, uh, and Nikolai Ehlers, even money under minus 133 to uh, get a point tonight. Uh, Of course, you can do a bet builder. Bunch of things happening in one game. Just click on the bet builder there at CoolBet if you want to get a little crazy tonight. Uh, Back to the rest of the games. The Canucks, plus 109 in Nashville. Preds playing last night in St. Louis. Tough back-to-back for them. Uh, The Montreal Canadiens are in Dallas to take on the Stars. Stars, a massive minus 357 favorite. Canadians played yesterday in the uh, Toilet Bowl of the NHL, taking on the Arizona Coyotes. And yes, they're the red hot Florida Panthers who seem to put up seven, eight, nine goals a night. They're going into Calgary. Minus 152 favorites for the Panthers. And the final game on the docket is the Tampa Bay Lightning. Minus 196 favorites against the Los Angeles Kings. So, uh, plenty of games to sprinkle on Remo. And uh, I know you and a lot of folks are uh, getting ready for a little DraftKings lineup tonight. Did you do another contest?
2: Yeah, we got two, one filled, uh, 20 person, uh, $3 entry, top three win. You know, put your you $50,000 salary, put your uh, your team in. So, I want to give myself a, uh, a pat on the back. I did take down, or sorry, third. Barry Horowitz? In, in the NFL uh, contest uh, for Wildcard Weekend. So, uh, thank you to Matt Stafford and Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, Way Cuba, to gloss Cuba yourself.
1: Cut. Any mention for who was in first or second? No, I, or are we just going to focus on who was in yeah, third? Yeah, not,
2: not important, not important. Uh, who, <laughs> who did win? I'll, I'll have to take a look. Uh, I, I didn't pay attention. I saw Dynamike was in second. Uh, he's usually he's a pretty strong player. He had a big win last year. So he's playing with house money. Ralph D, 29, got first. I'm not familiar with Ralph D. But uh, he had a Mahomes. Up, Ralph. He had Mahomes then. C.J. Uzoma. We went double Brilliant,
1: Brilliant pick. Brilliant mm-hmm. pick. Um, so. All right. So we got this game tonight. Mm-hmm. It's a six o'clock start, of course, after the game. Make sure to check out the IC guys and Kenny and Rennie for their post-game coverage. Uh, and then what should be a real fun show tomorrow, um, weekly visit with Murat Atash. Murat had a great piece earlier this week in the Athletic on the value of the Jets' contracts based on what we've seen so far this season. Um, some pretty interesting results. We'll touch on all of that. Um, and also looking forward to having Matt Verderam from Fan a uh, great NFL guest, join us to uh, to tee up what's coming up on the weekend and uh, maybe a few final tidbits from uh, what happened in the Super Wild Card weekend. But um, the latest on the Winnipeg Jets tomorrow, an extended convo with our good friend Murata Tesh. A little NFL talk and uh, certainly Remo. Lots of games tonight in the league. So we'll have plenty to get to in addition to um Jets moving on to Nashville on tomorrow's edition of WST. Yeah, lots to get to. Uh one thing about um
2: we didn't mention the all-star last man in voting. Mark Shifley was up for the Jets. Uh Nasm who was very deserving. Fourth in the league in points at the time they came out with those last men and he he won. I felt like a lot of people in chat here felt like um no, Shively wasn't even the most deserving player from the Jets to be up for last man. And no offense, him, but Pierre Luc Dubois has had. I think he was, should have been the Jets nominee. And I don't know. If, I don't know if there was the enthusiasm to even send him, uh, send him to Vegas among fans. I think you heard McKinnon endorsing Kadri. I mean, and so he's the last man in for
1: the well, central. Kadri was Division. fourth in NHL scoring yeah. and didn't get it. Now a lot of people are like, saying this is sinister or something." Listen, you, you, I'll tell you the reason right now, everyone. It's because of the rules that every team has to have a player. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that's pretty simple. I mean, if you take out, you got 32 players right now. McKinnon was already the captain of the squad. Uh, well, you're not going to put Kale McCarr on the club? So, yeah. I mean, McCarr is probably the best defenseman in the league. He was going to get a nod. Um, and it just was, uh, It listen, it's a great problem for Avalanche fans to have too many good players on the same team and you can only send so many guys to the All-Star game. But that's basically where they are right now. Nothing more sinister than that. Uh, But certainly I think Naz deserves to be there and not hat tip to him for the season he's having so far this year. Tell you what, um, considering what a joke the All-Star game is, I would be more than happy if players from our squad weren't there, although it'll be a great opportunity for Kyle Connor to sort of get some of the attention and recognition that he deserves. Uh, but other than that, when you think about how many hockey games this team's going to be playing during the break as we expect to get a schedule at some point in the near future, a couple days off on that weekend before a real meat grinder of a, of a re, uh, rejigged schedule, I don't think is a bad thing for the Winnipeg Jets.
2: Yes, I, uh, I'll agree with you there. Huh? So you don't want these guys playing too many. Don't, you don't need to go. There's, I think Vegas is a couple time zones away too. I mean, you've got to cross a couple time zones to come back after. You might be fatigued. We don't need to subject any more Jets players to that kind of additional travel. You know, the Jets already have the hardest travel among any team in the league, so you don't need to add on more, especially with this grinder of a schedule in February. So that being uh, said, I am
1: pumped to see Kyle Connor get a chance to go in the fastest skater competition. That's going to be awesome to see what he can do against the uh, uh, the brightest and best that the National Hockey League has to offer. That's coming up in a few weekends. But our focus tonight is on. The Jets and Capitals, Dylan Sandberg in the lineup, Cole Perfetti playing with Dubois and Connor. Um, No Paul Stassny tonight, no Evgeny Svechnikov tonight, no Blake Wheeler tonight, although Wheeler seems to be getting closer to returning. Um, So a big opportunity for guys, especially in the bottom six, to show that they belong when some of the regulars are coming back. And of course, Dylan Sandberg gets another chance to play with Neil Pionk on the Jet blue line. Great show today. Uh, Sincere thanks to Dan Fink for setting up Mark Morrison. It was great to have Mark on the program. Appreciated that. Our good friend Mokan in Montreal. And great stuff from Ted Wyman of the Winnipeg Sun. Go back to the beginning if you missed any of it. Um, We'll be back tomorrow, folks. For the packed edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk, reaction tonight's game. Look ahead to a big Thursday night in Music City. A, a guest from Murata Tesh and a little more NFL talk heading into the best weekend of the season with Matt Verderam of Fans Sided. Uh, thanks to Cool Bet Canada. Again, if you are betting on the game, use the promo code WST for on your first deposit for a 100% bonus up to $200 uh, Canadian Club. The Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Boston Pizza, Princess Auto. It's great to talk curling with Ted today on our Princess Auto Curling Report. Little Brown Jug, Not Auto Corp, Royal Sports, Manitoba Battery, Culligan Water, Vita Health, and the gang downtown at F Apparel. For Michael Remus, I'm Andrew Patterson. Folks, enjoy the game tonight, and we'll see you tomorrow, 1 p.m., right here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily.
0: Oh, my God! Oh!